Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Jake will fly. Straighten it up. Save your life. I get rid of YouTube. Got to get a girl on satellite. But they are definitely dead.
had nothing and no one was going to suck my cloak. I was acquiring more wealth. They muted. Why are they censoring them? Because I'm pro family. And that's why I'm censored. Program and sensor. Yeah, I just one out of many of them. Vast majority of Americans who are pro family. What the hell's going on, Scott? Destroy the gay agenda.
Why is this criminal against me? Just because I'm pro family? Hear the noise over there? So 9-11 trial, Patrick Kepler, Directing the Attorney General to appoint nine other prosecutor of Emerson. Not everyone that appears in front of the grand jury is indicted.
Hello. Hello. Talking about you.
there a lot of static, or is that just on my line? Don't know. There seems to be static. It stopped. <clears throat> um, I'm having difficulty getting online to talk. Shoe, are they having problems? Have no idea. Is there a subject tonight? Let's see. It's Wednesday. Right. You'd have to go to Joe's list and find out what the topic is for Wednesday night. <clears throat> Today's there is morning. a gentleman online um, at 9 o'clock. Uh, whoever it was went into a soliloquy in a very, very low voice. No idea who he is, but he's not coming out of the woodwork yet. Oh, I've got 20 after 9. Today is the 27th, correct? Yes, it is. Well, according to the list here, there's supposed to be 22 participants. There's 22 people on this call? That's what it says. And it says V2K, voice to skull, 9 o'clock, and I've got 9.25 right now. Well, let's get let's get it rolling. <laughs> Evidently, the other 20 don't. <laughs> they don't want to talk, huh? They're audio wires at the moment. Or they just want to listen in to find out what's going on. Well, I'll try again to get on 898. You're on the right call. On on Wednesdays, it's Voice to Skull, B2K. Uh-huh. Hi, Joe. Oh. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, I can't how are get you into doing? the chat room. Um, you might have to, if you go to the eight nine eight nine nine page on TalkShoe on the computer, you get to that page to where you can log on to the chat room. Go up there to where it's on the l- left hand side. Uh, it it has uh, the picture of Pat's, and then it has a brief introduction of each topic of the night. Well, right below that is a is my name, what I'm under, which is Am I Human? If you click on that, it'll take you to my profile and I then go down to the profile and then you'll see all it will be on there live. That link and bring it up to date to where the call's showing that it's live now. It's there, and it won't show that the call is live when you're trying to go into the chat room. I've never had this difficulty before. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing okay. Yeah, watching the grandbaby. How old is the baby? He's four. Well, it's going to be five in October of this year, so he's over four now. His only goal in life is to hurry up and grow up so he can go to school and ride the school. It's wonderful that he has that attitude about school. 
still can't get in. Oh, yeah, he, he he knows when the school bus comes in the morning, and he knows when it's dropping the kids off, and he runs outside, and he waves at them and chases them all the way down to the end of the property. And he's all about that big yellow school bus. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, well, we had uh, another incident down here in the Keys during the past few days. So a guy kind of lost his mind, called the police. He's an artist that was staying at a hotel and told them that he was the husband of, um, who was it now, Shirley McLean, and she was going to start a whole bunch of fires in town. And there was going to be a riot. And the policeman that took the call asked him, him. Is, this a, is this metaphysical or physical? <laughs> it, <laughs> it being down in Key West, he did ask that question. Oh, how funny. Anyway, the police did go to his room. And, um, he evidently had a baggie of pot, like, out on something. And the policeman asked him, "Is that a, um, is that pot?" And he said, "Yeah, you don't mind if I roll one, do you?" <laughs> Did the cop mind? <laughs> yeah, he was he was in great shape. That was a, that was uh, all that was the last minute of his freedom when he said, "Can he roll one?" No, actually, he bailed out. And there's there's a next chapter to this. <laughs> Don't leave us hanging. <laughs> oh, I won't, dear heart. I won't. Um, once he bailed out of jail, he ended up in a house on Sutherland Street. And the police got this weird call that some nut job was loose, throwing food all over a bedroom in the upstairs story of the house. And uh, all of a sudden, a gun, a gunshot rang out. And um, it turned out to be the same guy. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, um, he got shot, evidently grazed, a good graze in the thigh. Oh. And the shooter was yelling, I don't normally miss. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I I meant to shoot him, and, um, you know, I have no idea why I missed him. So, well, this um, says a call to action in chat. Join me. And anyway, I- the... The artist is still loose, unmedicated, refused to go to the hospital for uh, treatment, and the shooter got picked up. He's out on $50,000 bail for shooting this guy, throwing food all over the upstairs bedroom of his house. So I don't think we've heard the last of this artist yet. Yeah. Yeah, um... I thought I'd kind of pick up your evening a little bit. There's no doubt in my mind um, he was hearing something about call the police and warn them, you know. Shirley McLean is going to come down here and set fire to the town. Anyway, that's the news from down here. What you all got. No, strange things happen down here all the time. I mean, that is a normal news item, believe it or not. 
But it um, sounds to me like he might have been hearing a few things. And uh, you know how the, the B2Ks, they always tell you to report what you're hearing to the cops <laughs> so they can come and collect you and put you in the nearest mental hospital. That's what I think was going down. Anyway, the, the guy is free and clear. And um, he's not going to be prosecuted. There's some news up here in South Carolina. The police chief resigned. And she'd been on the force like seven years. Uh, I thought it was kind of strange because she said her accomplishment was, or she was proud of the fact that that none of her um, her her police um, crew got killed while she was police chief. Well, hallelujah. Well, that's what. I, <laughs> that's what. I, that's what I, Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for your news item. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else everybody else got, you know? Let's let's get the news out here. I guess the other 20 is still silent. Can you guys hear me? You're you're being fuzzy on me really bad. Okay. Um anyway, yeah, yeah, these four people anyway, you know, who knows if there's how they're hacking their brain and what kind of craziness they're feeding them up. Who knows? But um the thing about it is, um I I had an interesting situation, but you guys are breaking up on me so bad. I don't know if I'm going to be able to share it with you. Besides, I don't Seems think to be a lot of static online tonight. Yeah, I don't think anybody really wants me to. I got I got hacked off of off the computer, literally disconnected. Had to I can't even get on. It says this site can't be reached. Yeah. And it's been two days in a row it's been like that. And the computer guy came by, and he said there's no way it could have happened unless somebody took it. It was impossible for me to have knocked myself out of the system the way it was done. So, And then I had a little interesting uh, run around town. But the problem was I was trying to trace back my own story. You know, I was trying to figure out why these people were bothering me. What was it that made them obviously I've been experimented with in many different on many different levels, but the one that they needed to set up a disposal site, you know, uh so that I couldn't have a voice in the matter, no matter which way the wall went with what I saw that they didn't like that I saw. Um 
they, you know, because that you're disposed of, you're spooked, you're tortured, and you're disposed of. And then, of course, once they've got any kind of like a 5150, it's even better than tossing somebody in jail because you no longer have a voice. At least they somewhat have a voice, but now they're saying they're all crazy too, so they won't have a voice either, you know. So, Well, actually, there was a news item tonight on, I think it was Channel 2, PBS. Yeah. That uh, there are more people who are considered to be mentally disturbed in jails mm-hmm. than there are in mental hospitals. Like it could be as high as 40% of the population. Well, jails I, might I, I never thought this way before, but now I'm beginning to think, except for the ones that the devil got a hold of and they killed and did burglaries and stuff. These people, the jails are full of people that know too much, and then they meet other people that know too much, which gives them an excuse for never being able to get out of jail. And, you know, so, and then they've got the ones that keep them, and then they make their six-figure incomes, and then that's on some kind of international stock trade market. So in a lot of ways, it's a human slave trade. Um, I personally have no doubt whatsoever left in my mind that I saw something that somebody didn't want me to see that had many affluential characters involved. And um, so that was what a lot of my spooking was about. You know, in the latter years, now in the beginning years, it it was just all par for the course, I guess, you know. But, yeah, I got knocked off the computer and then, you know, bumped into somebody that, you know, I don't know. It's stupid. But the thing's not over. But at least now I understand a little bit about my own story and why these people did what they did um, and why it was necessary or they felt it was necessary to do it in my particular case to me. So I'm getting a whole lot of static here. Anyway, I I'm not sure how much of it I can should share at this time. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to bring it to any kind of a point of law in my lifetime. You guys are breaking up on me really bad because of the nature of where they've got me. They've got me in a position where I have no voice, you know, in the matter. That's exactly where they wanted me to be, where they needed me to be. So they've got that, you know. So I can't really... They know that there's nothing that I have to move forward on. Now, I could go tell you guys about what happened because it's a pretty elaborate story, but I'm going to have to pray about it, whether I'm supposed to even share it at this time because... Um, there are so many different figures involved in the process that it's not a small story like I thought it was at all. It's not just a little thing. So that's all. I, but yeah, you know, 40% of these people, they do a lot of experimenting with these people. This, this is not a rehabilitation program these people are in. I mean, their psychologists and everything are getting paid, you know, way past six figures to if they go in there with a broken hip and they end up blind and, you know, with their legs not working and, you know, all, on all kinds of drugs. And these people are, are, you know, just 
really, you know, and then now they've got it to where somebody will get picked up on a DUI and they're stuck into a, a mental criminal style, filing status that they can never get that off of their record. And what they do to them in there, we'll never know the full story. So, you know, um, I th- there's more to all of this than the public wants to know or, you know, this is... This, uh, I'm not saying that that they're all innocent. You know, there's murderers. Sure, there's murderers in there and stuff, but there's also people in there that should have never been filed in there to begin with. And that's why this United States has more prisoners than any other place in the world. They probably just saw something they weren't supposed to see and somebody needed to get rid of them. And, you know, it's it's the way it is in this country. Unfortunately, it's the way it is. And these people that... Um, are he, like this guy thinks Shirley MacLaine's after him? Is he mental or is somebody like uh, dousing him with, um, you know, access to frequencies? Has that guy got a chance to look at his own story? What did he see that somebody didn't want him to see? Maybe he saw something and if he was to really find his comb, his past, he might find out that there was something that he saw that somebody decided they needed to cover up. So they needed to whack him out. And what's a better way than to make him into a whack job? Maybe he is a whack job. I'm not sure. But under the circumstances, I'm going to have to say that who knows? Who really knows, you know? Could you hear a word I said? Yes. Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and get off the phone because um, this thing is kind of like crackling in my ear because this phone is actually hurting my ear, and there's a lot of static. So I hope you guys have a good conversation tonight, and maybe everybody kind of just needs to say a prayer for this guy. I mean, obviously he needs some vitamins or something. I don't know. I don't know, you know. Maybe he saw something he wasn't supposed to see and somebody's got a, laying a number on him. Who knows? So we don't know. We don't know the full story, you know. In the newspapers, they're never going to tell you the full story. Again, that's their job. So, I mean, you'd have to go meet the guy yourself and ask him, probably. So I'm going to go ahead on that one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and, and get off the phone for now. And you guys have a good night, okay? Okay. Hey, Joe, um, Joe, good luck to you. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. This Bye. is Andy, Minnesota. Okay. How do I explain nanotechnology to to somebody? I'm gonna get ready to t- um, tell somebody about it, and I don't know how to explain what nanotechnology is. Hey, how's everybody doing? Pretty good. Can you hear me? Uh-huh, I can hear you. Oh, good. I didn't mean to shout at you. How do you explain what nanotechnology is? Uh-huh. How do you explain what nanotechnology is? Um, I've heard okay. it before. I've heard it before, and I've noticed some of it, but I'm not good at explaining stuff. 
I get tongue twisted, really. I don't know, I guess, it's what they do to me, but I get tongue twisted. Yeah, so do I. Especially when I'm talking to other people that haven't heard about this before, especially I'll start getting tongue twisted. I know it, like, it can make your parents different and st- and stuff like that. And I believe, it, you know. Yeah. It's nanotechnology. Is that something that we digest? It could be like something in gets inside of us, and then when they shoot the technology, it it can connect with our bodies better, or what? Maybe it's not. It could be like doctors and stuff might put it in us whenever we're going to visit and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Some um, something scientific that connects with the radiation that's shot at us. I think that's how we become like an antenna. Or <laughs> oh man, I, I I'm gonna have to explain this to some church lady. You know, but I don't want to get all tongue tied and not sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, I think the best way I would do is just go online and uh, maybe download something or print it out. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you're probably right there. Because I'm not good at exploiting stuff either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's too bad that the way they got this technology on us and the psychological part that when you do start talking about it, you know, it, there's... It makes you sound crazy and you get all tongue twisted. That's how I do. Yeah. So how is the weather? It's stormy. It was storming here in Alabama. What state are you in? I'm in Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, Minnesota. Um, we got some rain today. We can't, We needed it, and it's been like in the 50s. Well, that's nice. It's been like in the 80s here. Okay. A lot hotter. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a quilted rain jacket with a hood on it that I wear, and it's it's warm and it you know it's you know like a really rubberized repellent for the rain. Pretty warm in that going to the store and that. Yeah. Do you um, live with people or do you live by yourself? Um, I'm married, but my husband, he's out of town working, and I have, I'm by myself. Whenever, everything's worse than when he's gone, so, yeah. That's too bad. Yeah, I'm married, too, and, um, you know, my husband, I'll have him tell him, butter knife the doors when I leave. You know, so they can't take a key and turn it. Sometimes he'll forget, and, you know, we live in a two-story house. He'll be upstairs going to the bathroom, 
they sneak in downstairs, run around the kitchen, throw some silverware in a drawer that it doesn't belong, tear a few things, and out they go. Yeah, they're annoying. Yeah. So what's I do uh child protective services for our children and it's really annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm pregnant too. Congratulations. Yeah. When are you due? I'm due July third. Oh, oh, that's wonderful. I used to be an O B and pediatric nurse. I miss oh, that's the cool. babies. Uh, I miss it. Hold it for one more day. Hold what? Oh, you don't want her. <laughs> so your baby's due in July, you said? Uh, no, I'm on bed rest because um, I had been having contractions, and I'm only seven months, well, seven and a half months pregnant, and I've been having contractions, and they put me on bed rest. So oh. I have the baby early. But I have oh. really big babies. I have, like, um, my last baby was nine pounds, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I talked with you a couple nights ago. Yeah. Lonnie was on. Yeah. And then I said, call Derek, get my number. Oh, she didn't yet, but that's up to her, I guess, how she feels comfortable or not. Well, it'd be nice to have an independent baby. Uh July 4th. Oh, yeah. I have... my last baby was July sixth, so I have I guess my I guess I have babies in July. I'm a July baby giving person. But because my last child was July sixth. <laughs> How many do you have? Yeah, they should be both birthdays together. <laughs> this is my fifth child. Oh wow. Well, congratulations. My mom had had six. I was a middle. Oh, so I helped raise the last three. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. Yeah. You have brothers and sisters then. I don't have oh. any brothers or sisters or kids. Mm, I love kids. I think that's part of the reason they targeted me before I, right before I got married. I was alone. I told my husband, or, you know, before I married, maybe you shouldn't marry me. You could go on and this probably won't. You could probably get free of this. He says, no, I'd rather just be with you. Oh, that's dedication. Oh, it's that's nice me. to have somebody that cares about you. I yeah. wish I did. Yeah. Thank the Lord. Yeah, be thankful That'd be for really that. tough to live by myself. That is a blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were in my apartment night before last I heard them but I couldn't move really you couldn't move in your bed I couldn't or... move I heard them and I couldn't move was fear or what no no oh you just didn't want to get up no that's not it they can how can I explain paralyze you like yeah, yeah they can put you before. in a level of consciousness where you can't you're not a you're not exactly awake but you're not sleeping and you can't move. Oh, I think I felt that before. I've had that happen to me, and it felt like somebody was holding me down. Yeah, and you just can't move. It's like being in a locked-in coma. Yeah, exactly. I've had that happen. Paralysis. 
I think it was more of a feeling for me is that I'm lazy. I am tired, and I'm thinking, well, if I go down them stairs and look, I won't see anything, and then I'll interrupt my sleep, and then I'm saying, is it really the noise down there here? And Wayne doesn't walk too well, so I'm the one that gets up and What's wrong with him? Why can't he walk? He can walk. He shuffle foots. I think it's some nerves. I don't know. Is he diabetic? No. Wayne, do you know why you walk like that? (laughs) Yeah, like you can't make big strides when you walk. You make mm-hmm. make real little strikes. Because I'm not in any hurry to get anywhere. So I don't know. I guess I can ask him. But I don't know what it is. It's He wasn't targeted before I met him that I know of. He didn't mention of any stuff like that. He never had been. He, he heard, like, we went to bed. It was quiet. I had everything off. He says, I hear music or a loud TV. I said, no, there's no music or a loud TV. And then I I put my hand on his head and I rebuked it in the name of Jesus. Get out of here, V2K in Jesus' name. He goes, it's gone. Why don't you do with that with static? Yeah. Did you hear what I said, though? You rebuked it in Jesus' name. Yeah, That's a good thing. It left. It didn't come back tonight. But I've done that before, and then they just they bother us the next night or the next night. And then I'm redoing it mm-hmm. all over again, kicking them out. But the thing that has been really hard is to keep them out of the house. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I've only been targeted, it seems like a long time, since February 2013. I've learned to be more calm and less fearful through it. But it's tiring having to watch the house. That. I think I burped. Oh. Somebody belched. <laughs> well, it wasn't me. That's why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on the line tonight? I think it's oh. Joe. Oh. I like you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't belch in my ear, Joe. <laughs> Did I get disconnected? No, you. It just got very, very silent. Well, we don't know what to talk about, really, where we um, all can talk about something together. Well, I tried to um, type in on the chat room. I finally had gotten in, and I tried to type, and it 
they won't let what I type go in. Did I hear my name? Mrs. Lonnie. Is somebody talking about Lonnie? I've been fixing dinner. <laughs> is it Sandy? Yeah, this is me. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Sandy. Uh, yeah. Talk to Derek. Lonnie? Yes. Well, good. Uh, I think you were going to... Derek said something Monday night that uh, I, I don't go to the library very often and I don't get uh, internet at home, but that's the only way oh. he communicates with me. So if she um, was going to give... tell him to give me your telephone number, and then I would call you. And uh, I don't know whether it's there or not. I just haven't been there. Yeah. Sounds like we're they don't want us to communicate. <laughs> yeah, my um name is on the buddy list too on the computer. Oh good. I can just give it Lenny, I can just give it to you on the phone. I don't care. Because I don't do that, but you think why? I know, I know that several people probably are on. Has anybody yeah. had any problems with um, them causing car accidents with you? Yes. Yes. You know what they do to my car? My car is like computerized, and they make me stop while I'm going. Right. Through, like when a red right. light turns green, and I'm going through the green light, they'll make exactly. my car stop right in the middle exactly. where the meter is, where cars are coming. So any car that has a computer system in it is open to being hacked, right? Yeah. They'll unlock. They'll they they won't they'll close your um hood without closing it tight. And I had had mine fly up when I knew it was closed tight. And I had that too. Where I thought. And it happened when I up with gas or something. They ran around real quick or something and. Didn't shut it, open it, and just, and then I was on the freeway and it flew up halfway. But it, I could still see over it. Well, mine didn't do that. I wasn't so lucky. Lonnie, are you there? You made a lot of damage. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, um, Wayne and I, well, my husband and I were getting into bed last night, everything was shut off, and he goes and says to me, is there a TV or a radio on really loud? I says, no, nothing is on. And and I says, it's that V2K, Wayne. And I put my hand on his head, and I say, V2K, you get out of here in the name of Jesus. Out. And it left. He said it was gone. But I know that I can kick them out, but they do come back a day or two later. Again, I'm sorry. Uh, has your husband has your husband been checked for Parkinson? My dad had Parkinson, and uh, that sometimes makes you shuffle, take short steps. You know, oh. often he would feel like he was falling one way when he was actually moving in a different direction. You know, oh. what was the cause of that? Uh, Parkinson. Oh, that's too bad. You don't have any shaking, so 
Real no, steady. <laughs> Daddy never took either. I mean, he was, yeah. uh, That's too bad. There are two different ways, you know, that you do it. Who was asking about nano? Uh, nano yeah, that's me. Um, okay. I don't know how to explain that to somebody. Um, I don't to explain either. how when I get hit with the radiation, when I get hit with something, why does it, you know, what is the connecting thing? Well, I just have a little bit of an email that doesn't explain it all, but it does tell you what the stuff is. Uh, it just says that a nanometer is one millionth of a millimeter. And those mm-hmm. microbic composite materials are so small, they can only be seen with a special microscope. And the rest of it, he goes into the uh, nano warfare and everything, you know, that, let's see. Um, <laughs> I'm not a technical person. One millionth of a, a millimeter, it's, did you say? It's one millionth of a millimeter. Okay. That's a nanometer, okay? And uh, they're so small, they can only be seen with a special microscope. On average, these microbic composite materials called nanoparticulates are around 50 nanometers in size. And that apparently is what is being used that would be of interest, I think, to you. They interact through streams of photons, directed energy flashes, and can speak to and decode the neurotransmitters in your brain. Uh-huh. So it's developed into a warfare, you know, thing. But this is a little, you know, it goes from one place to another on your That's all I would have on it. It's just like the tiny. That yeah. It can be used in different ways. Yeah, hi, this is Melinda. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, a couple things I want to react to that people have asked um, about the car thing. I had uh, uh, real big problems. A car kept stalling, and in the middle of the street, in in you know, the middle lanes, the right lane, left lane. What you have to do is know exactly where your flasher is, and the minute your car stalls, turn on your flasher. Uh, get get your hand trained for that because otherwise people can plow into you and just uh, keep trying to start it. They're doing a stall thing on you and uh, they're wrecking the sensors. Oh, every time I talk, they turn on that damn echo thing. It's, it's on, on all night. That's static. Uh, no, it's per, perp activity. It's listen fine. to that. It's listen fine. to that. They're, Perp, perp activity. It's oh. not static. Uh, anyway, so I, if you understand me, me, you see, you see, they messed, they messed. Find out where your flasher slide is, and press it immediately. Now, in terms of the paralyzed, yes, they paralyzed my feet twice uh, on pavement. And I don't know if this is the same as the uh, the uh, demi-coma, what they keep you in. But uh, I realized that what they were using on me was the Jose Delgado thing. Remember when he stopped the bull? Do you all know that video on YouTube? Okay, that's what they used on me now. 
They could be using that on you. Oh, you're conscious, you're awake. I was in the street, I was conscious, I was awake. But I couldn't move, I couldn't move. And I got panicked. So um, that's what they're using on you. Now, it only lasts for me about 45 seconds. But when you're in the middle of the street, that's like 45 years um, crossing the street. Um, So that's what they could be using. And you just have to write it through because people have remarked on that on Facebook. You know, they, they, they can't move. Also, I've woken up during several surgeries and I said, oh, my God, that hurts. You know, I think I'm screaming, but I'm not. It's in my mind. One time I did break through and screamed very loud Wow! Uh, during a colonoscopy because uh, I kept waking up. Uh, but they do give you a thing called scopolamine, which paralyzes your muscles in surgery, so you can't move when the doctor is, you know, cutting his, his doing his cuts. Uh so that could be the same thing, the effects. What they're doing is the effects on you, not the drug necessarily, unless they're administering it to you, which they're probably not. But they can find the frequency in you for you to have the reaction. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah. What, what, what were they doing to you? I just came on the call. A colonoscopy. So I know what I do now for colonoscopies is I say I have to get an anesthesiologist and get um, Diprovan, uh, Propodol, the, the Michael Jackson drug he liked. It's very good. I wake up immediately and I'm not hungover or, you know, loggy. I just can bounce off the table. But I've woken up three times during three different surgeries and um, two, two colonoscopies and one surgery, and it was awful. I and I heard the doctors talk. three of them. Huh? I woke up about three times. It's been three different surgeries also. Well, you have to, yeah. Okay, this is what it's called. It's called anesthesia awareness. Write it down and tell your doctor, if you go in for any surgery, that I have anesthesia awareness. And the anesthesiologist, I forgot the word, has to know that so they can watch you. And the minute... You know, you, you start to wake up, they can put you out. I was awake for like 30 seconds. And, oh, my God, it was awful. Um, the doctors were talking. I said, I can hear you. Well, you know, I wasn't, I was speaking, but, of course, I wasn't speaking. It was in my mind. But if you do wake up, you you have to tell the doctors. Cause, you know, it's too traumatic otherwise. I'd write about this tomorrow, Norman. Uh, what? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Are you on the call, or, or what are you doing? I'm here. That's in Florida. What were they, what were they yeah. doing? Wrong? What was she doing? Telling about talking about doing something in the street. What was that about? Yeah, my feet. My feet were glued to the street. I don't know. They glued my feet to the street uh, once, and that when I was unknowing. And then uh, once when I was knowing, and I couldn't figure out what they were doing, and I figured it just came to me that it was the Jose Delgado patent, the thing that he was doing, stopping the bulls in the middle of their charge. So uh, they're using all that stuff on us. 
How do you think um, they're applying that to us? Do you think someone is driving by and shooting something at us? Well, or do you think funny like you should ask. Uh, when I left the restaurant to go to my car, which was uh, down about 50 feet across the street, a fellow uh, followed me who was sitting at the other side of the bar, and he, I turned around, my feet were stuck, and he was holding something like a, a cell phone or a joystick, not a joystick, but a console or something in his hands, both hands aiming it at me. So I was triangulated, I think. Well, why uh-huh. didn't, did you walk up to him? Well, no. No, I went to my car. But of course, now I would, I would hit him well, over the head with a frying pan or my purse, which is worse. <laughs> well, the key thing uh, is... But, you know, back, back then I, I didn't respond fast enough. However, I did find out who it is. I know his name. His name, he's a producer. He did a... a uh, a show called uh, some war thing on PBS. Uh, his name is Kirk uh, Sadusky, S-A-D-U-S-K-I. You can look him up on Facebook or Google him. Yeah, and I know where he lives. And uh, if I ever see him again, and I thought I saw him walking up Ventura Boulevard today, but I was driving in the other direction. It may not have been him. I don't know. But I don't. I don't know who's paying him or why he would do it. But it was, it's traumatic. It's a form of trauma mind control. I had an interesting... Were you able to speak, though? Or was it just your feet that... Well, you know, I was in the street alone. I, I, I didn't speak out loud. Is that what you mean? <laughs> well, you... They're working, they're doing more of the neural programming for me and the touch technology. And I found out something very interesting. I, I went, I'll be very brief. Uh, this is Beth from Florida. Um, I went to Oldmar, Florida for a class for work. They had the same speaker system that we have at the hospital where I work in Winter Haven. And the VPK, of course, is there, but now the neural programming now is everything I feel is voiced to the V2K, to the program. And the neural programmer is Ed Sheeran, who's on my Twitter account. Yes, what? I don't know his real Ed Sheeran on my Twitter account. That's why I'm keeping my Twitter open. I don't know who he is, but he's portraying the singer. But the thing of it is, over in over as far even as far as Tampa, they've used the touch technology still, and I'm still trying to figure out how that's working. It has to be everything is integrated. The technology is integrated. It's not separate stuff. Uh- yeah, I've got another call. Uh, hold on, let me let me flash. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. But it's um, the touch technology. They're they're turning up the heat more, and um, my my job is even trying to screw me up even more. But I think they're doing what these people are telling them. Oh. But the speaker system, the speakers on the ceiling, the thought when I saw them, they're identical to the one at the hospital I work at now. They're fairly new speakers. But they were put in before the company, this large company, bought our hospital at the hospital I work at. 
and I'm just trying to think of it is that they've got the, the microphone or something turned up. I think they're waiting for me to say something out loud when they're using the V2K because when they say something when they say something wrong or incorrectly, they're trying to try to make you say it out loud correctly and try to make you look like you're schizophrenic, but you're not. But you're, what, everything you're thinking about, they've got everything hooked up with the brainwave stuff. And uh, for like she's talking about the radio frequency, they can they can do that so easy, it's not funny. I mean, it, it's just like when the radio was invented. I mean, they've got they can expand on it and integrate it with everything else. The touch technology confuses me. I'm trying to figure that. I'm trying to figure out the science of it. Because that is real. Yeah. I've I've had I've got I've had blood on two tampons and I haven't had my period since my thirties. I'm fifty three. When I got off the depot shot in in two thousand nine, I never my period never came back. But the pain that they inflicted was not me. And I don't have a boyfriend or husband. But trying to convince anybody that even saying it out loud sounds nuts. So I know what I've got. And any forensic can examine the fibers on those tampons and find blood, but it's not menstrual cycle. It's blood from a scraping or something. And they're they're using so much more of the, the touch technology right now in that area that I've cried so much at work. I've had I had to come up with a lie at work. And uh you can't very well tell them, Oh yeah, somebody's touching you while I'm typing up a patient. There's nobody there. I mean, it sounds crazy. I mean it sounds crazy to say, but I know I felt it. And I don't know how the hell they're they're integrating it. But uh it's severe. Severe. Hello. Hello, I'm still here. I, I, had, a, I had a question. It was about um mob, mob harassing job um hobbing. Mm-hmm. And um I've been going through so much at my job. And I'm going through discrimination and harassment, everything, income discrimination, race discrimination. And today my supervisor has vouched that she didn't even know my income and she said she's not even able to see it. And um, who is it? Your boss? Yeah, my supervisor. But it comes from payroll. And this one lady had told me that she makes way over me, and she's um just per diem. And I found out it was people m- making way over me. Then they offered me a position, 
And um, but then they went around and told everyone I've been called stupid. Everything I have made reports at the corporate office. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, and I know they say it's hard to prove discrimination, but it's not. My supervisor vouched for it and everything. Yeah. And um, so I actually got a letter. She didn't, didn't think the way I was. But How long put, have you been at your job? Um, May fifth would be a year. Wow. It's a payroll, and he. Wow. It's a payroll, and he. Um, the payroll guy, he's very nasty and rude. And um, do they discredit you at work? Um, they always do that. They always do that. And he knows, and he he gave the other lady more money, and then the other lady told me, oh, my the supervisor, they all signed off on it. But when I went to my supervisor today, because I, I spoke to someone about it that's a TI, and they said, try to get it in writing. You need it for documentation. She put some stuff in the letter, but she didn't put what I actually needed her to put for documentation for myself. But she told me, she said, I, I wasn't um, initially here when you got hired. But she said, oh, I don't even see your pay rate. And I said, oh, you don't know? She was like, no, that's payroll. So I'm saying, how does she sign off on the other lady's raise? And then they they discriminated against me. They told me I got a promotion. But um, I go through hell. That, don't forget that. I know, that. I know. Yeah. I, I, I've been, they've, they've been doing the same thing because Monday night, there was a class I had to go to in Oldsmar, Florida, for the Jeffrey where I work. And anyway, as important as this class was that everybody attended because the, the hospital that took over or the organization that took over our hospital, the hospital at work, it's a mandatory thing. And if it, to me, I'm thinking if it was so important, why didn't my immediate supervisor email me and say I was supposed to ride with this other person who is a, used to be a supervisor. She's not quite a, she's a supervisor, but she's not my immediate supervisor. Well, she's not my immediate, someone I immediately report to. And mm-hmm. I'll, a last minute, this last Monday, oh, by the way, you've got to go to Oldmar tomorrow. And they didn't email me, nor was it scheduled on the, um, uh, we have a website. The company has a website that you're supposed to check your uh, mandatories, to do online mandatories, and um, classes that you have to attend and all that stuff that's mandatory. And I thought if it was that important, it was tentatively talked about going on the 26th with this uh, uh, lady that I work with, but they never put it, they never scheduled it. And they told me at the last minute then, another coworker told me, oh, by the way, you've got to stay after to do an online uh, training thing, a mandatory. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not, you know, I said, well, I can do that during, and she says, no, 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 we're too busy. You're going to have to do it after work. In other words, and knowing where I live at 40 minutes from work, they want me to stay after at 1030 at night, get home maybe about midnight or 1230, have to be up at 4 o'clock Tuesday mm-hmm. morning, drive into Winter Haven, and then catch a ride to Tampa, and then not get home till seven o'clock at night. They did that deliberately. If it was yeah, supposed exactly. to be an important class, they should, mm-hmm. uh, normally they would have they would have emailed the employee and said, "Just a reminder, you're scheduled to go to such and such for this class at this place." But they didn't do it deliberately. So my whole week had to be. I had to reschedule a doctor's appointment, 
I'm volunteering at the Humane Society and I can't even give them a schedule when I can be there because they depend on the volunteers on when they can they can help them out and stuff. I can't even give them a schedule on when I'm off. And I've had last two weeks, I everything's been been stupid, and they're doing it deliberately because this is a, this was an important class. And all of a sudden, spur last minute notification. By the way, you're supposed to go with so and so to go to the, uh, uh, this class in Tampa. And I had to be up at four in the morning. I didn't even sleep that night. I was up over 24 hours. But wow. They did that deliberately. Then my boss was there. The manager was there. And she reminded me, oh, by the way, I, uh, are you able, can you, when you get back today, are you able to go in to do the TME uh, mandatory online thing tonight? And I said, well, I'm, like, I'm probably not even going to get home until 7. And I said, I'll warn you back next. And I said, I go back to work Thursday. And I said, I spoke with Lenora, another lady I work with. And she said, it's not even due till the 30th. I, I, I said, stupid. And I said, uh, did they change the date on it or something? And she says, no, 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 they didn't change the date. But my bosses are needing the, this mandatory thing done, and I need you to do it, you know, Thursday. Can you come in a little early? Oh, so while everybody has two days off with, you know, with the schedule. But see, the schedule class is also considered like, like a work day. Everybody else gets two days off. I get one day off and it was 10 days working. And all of a sudden, I've got to come in early tomorrow to do this online training module thing. And uh, it's like they're doing all this stuff spur of the moment, you know, and screwing up my schedule. I can't even get to my doctor's doctor's, I've had to change my doctor's appointment twice, or once anyway, and last week was all screwed up. And they're doing it deliberately, but these are things that, I know I've been in management. I've worked at this hospital of 23 years. So I know what's normal, what's not normal. Yeah, yeah. When you work you know in what I'm saying? Hospital, when I you know work with somebody normal. long enough, you, you know how they are. But when these people started the harassment 228.14, the electronic harassment started uh, June 23rd, 2014. And I know they're listening to them, and I noticed up on the ceiling the same speaker system now, oddly enough, at the hospital I work at, there's, it sounds like there's a microphone turned up on maximum. You can stand under the speaker and hear uh, a sound coming from the speaker. It, it's like it's, it's like you can hear a, a, a microphone turned on. You can hear it. Mm-hmm. And they have the same yeah. speaker set up at the other place, which was weird. Yeah. And then I just found out that... Um, as I was, I had applied for some other positions, and um, I found out that the business office manager had went into the, the the administrator and stated to her that I'm not capable to do the job. And mm-hmm. I'm exactly. But, yeah, and then I actually have documentation, <laughs> a copy of it, and it showed that I was doing the work properly. And she's the one that don't know how to do it. She's called me stupid, and just last week. Was it last week or the week before? But I have it documented where she um she had what did she do? She actually put me to the side in the mail in the mail room and was like, "Oh, did your um supervisor tell you not to do any work for me?" And my supervisor did, but I didn't let her know. 
So she's like, oh, you want to continue to do the work and this and that? I didn't, like, I already figured she thought I was stupid. So I'm sitting up here like, oh, no, I can lose my job over this. So I ended up telling my supervisor, and she said, CC me in the email for your documentation and to keep you safe. So when I began to speak to her, and she said she went in that office and said you wasn't capable, I told them to put you in the finance department, and they didn't do it. So, um it's a whole lot of stuff. Like today I was talking to my supervisor. I had to lie to tell her, oh, I need it for my divorce court or whatever. I'm being stalked and harassed with that too. And that's the date is tomorrow, and I'm like, there's no way in the world I can even go because he's bum-rushing me. And with the with the targeting, they're allowing him to bum-rush me. I, I have so many documentations how they play with the divorce and everything. They forced me to marry him and everything. And um, But back to what I was saying at the job, and she had, my supervisor stated today, she said, I don't even know your income. She said, that's in court, like, it's, it's with the payroll. And so, um, well, they, they don't know your, they really don't know your income. They, but she should know your pay rate. Exactly. Um, she, they know your pay rate. I mean, I can call she, payroll. I can ask, I mean, they can check that. Yes, she can check that. Yeah. That's what she said today. She checked it, but she said she don't have anything else because she wasn't initially here when I got hired, so I gave her a hired house. Um, Come on. Is there, yeah. Let me ask you this. Is there anybody that you know or have known for a long time that has started acting strange or, or mentioned things to you that only the perps know? Yeah, I've been through that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You got to get get to a supervisor. You got to get to some friends. You got to get to some other employees and find out if it's being done to them. No, no. And put no, your facts together and then try to analyze it with what's going on there. But that's what you know, happens. The, the key thing is, I don't people if they're military, and I think they are. They go to the head honcho of companies. They don't care who is in the hospital or where you're working. They will affect everybody. No, they have because one lady, one lady says she's like, oh, I'm, um, she, they're paying me at a receptionist pay rate and I'm in admissions. I'm in marketing. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're not even paying me the minimum. And I'm like, I need some type of job to survive. And, um, are you part time or full time? I'm, I'm full-time. I was part-time, but there's another um, recession for them, and she's getting paid more than me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I was listening to them, like, talk about how much they get paid, this and that. And they're like, oh, no, I don't go to her. I go to payroll. You know, I go to Paul and this and that. And I'm like, what? And then so I started getting harassed with them playing on the phone. And, and different things like that, calling. I'm like, that's harassment, so I document it. And so I looked at the computer time because the phone system time is different. It's 10 minutes off. So what I did was I documented from the computer time and the phone time, and I wrote the number down, and I knew it was an employee cell phone that they used, and it was the director of dietary. I work in, in, in the medical, so I work in a nursing yeah, home. Yeah, so do I. So do I. The yeah. key thing to remember, too, is um, watch your 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 work performance. The thing of it is, what these people have done to me, and they're still doing it, they will they will uh, corral you, so to speak, to a point where you fall under the under under that hospital or that healthcare facility's policies to fire you. They will look for every little thing, and it's especially and if it's especially if it's customer or patient related. Any little thing you do. Mm-hmm. They will make a mountain out of a molehill and over-exaggerate and think, well, yeah. we're looking after the patients. I'm like, bullshit. Yeah, and have so much chaos in the place I work, it's not funny. 
That's what I have whole, to whole management, I'd fire every one of them. I'd fire mm-hmm. every one of them, and I'd take over, and I'd say, all right, this is how we're supposed, how we should be doing this. Mm-hmm. Get our guest reps back. we got patients and families that are irate. They're waiting over six, seven hours to be seen. Yeah. And, and that's the thing my supervisor told they me will that. Use, they will use yeah. every little thing you do, so watch your work performance and how you talk to people. Everything that's is, exactly remember, if you talk to an employee, they will use it against you. That's exactly every what little me with. And you know the funny thing is I work in a department when I'm working with all type of insurance from Medicare, Medicaid, and mm-hmm. the, if you screw up on anyone's insurance, it is your behind. And, I mean, you get rolled up, they take it to corporate. I mean, I'm working exactly. with the hospital, That's the different nurses, and I've seen nurses slip up. I've seen the cat slip up. I've seen, and, and I'm just sitting up here like, oh, my gosh, how do I cover my butt? So my supervisor was telling me, she told me it went all the way to corporate, and that's what happened when I was in the finance office doing the billing. And um, the lady, the late, the business office manager tried to say it was me, and I'm like, she can't even do her job. She was out going to the different courts and stuff. She had to go to court dates and stuff, and I'm like, I'm not doing this improper. And so my supervisor called me to the side, and she was like, that's why I told you. She said, maybe they're not training you right. Because when I went in the office, I put the bat for myself, and I was like, I'm not doing it wrong. This is the way I was trained. And, you know, so what I did was I went back into the computer, and I printed out the lab work. And I, I was like, I'm right. I cannot believe this. And that was the only thing that saved my butt for the job. Exactly. And, and, so and also be careful of anybody even showing you anything. Because you know, they could be telling you something wrong when you're like, wait a minute. I remember a few months ago, we were doing it this way. Yeah. Check, yeah. Out, check with other people. Check your resources. Don't go directly to the boss. I mean, never go to the boss. Check your no, other resources. Like, and you were, if we were doing it this way. Are we going to be doing it this way or are we changing it to this way? Mm-hmm. And see what they're doing because they will take every little ounce of performance against you. And just if trying to anything's wrong. And it's hard when you're being targeted with their mistakes. And I'm like, oh, my God. So my supervisor, she I don't know why they've been using her to help me, but she had spoke to me recently. Because I asked, I was like, I need this document because I'm trying to get my documents together to go to get me a federal case for the targeted individual. So I'm like, I need this document. So today, um, I had to use going through my divorce to get the letter. But she was saying, um, she was like, I don't think you should put all of that in the letter. And I was like, Yeah, I want all of that in the letter. She was like, Oh, you're gonna let the judge know all of that? And I'm like, Is she nuts? I need this, you know. So I, I can't record her where I'm at. It's very hard, and. I'm, because I wanted to bring Ricardo in there, Heidi, because she even said she had a big discussion in there. And she would yeah. get the opportunity, get the experience, and she said, move on. And I'm like, does she even know what I'm, the extent of what I'm going through? But she did tell me, though, that they had a meeting. It went around the whole facility. The director of recreation knew everything. And they're like, oh, she don't even know. She have a, she don't even have a promotion. I was supposed to be coming at 9 to 5. They switched my hours to 1 to 8. And they, they still have they have me do receptionist and marketing. And I'm like, this is crazy. And she's like, no, because your customer support skills are up, this and that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're not going to keep me stagnant in anything and, and, and use me. And then the other is she, she totally violates all HIPAA laws. Exactly. And, she actually and if they do, if they do you should be able to find an anonymous 
there is there should be a phone number you can report anonymously to any HIPAA violations, OSHA or whatever. Because even where I work, we're work, we're using computers on wheels, and the hallways are so cluttered with all these computers. Even the fire marshal would come in and write us up. I'd write us up. There are too many. They park patients in wheelchairs in front of doorways. Yes, yes, Hallways, you can't even get past the hallway. If we had a bomb threat, if we had something come up, a fire, an emergency come up, nobody's going to get out of that hallway. There's too many. There's hall beds and there's there's either wheelchairs or there's um, computers on wheels, which is what I work on. Pharmacy has one. The nurses have a computer on wheels that they run around with. And they're all over the they're all over the ER. I work in the ER. Oh wow! And the hall and the hall we've got four sections of the ER, and it's like there's so much clutter of machines mm-hmm. that if there was an emergency, we would have a lot of people that'd be injured because people would be running and stepping over people, pushing people down. You couldn't even get past the computers. Yeah. I mean, a yeah. fire marshal, we haven't even had a fire marshal in in a long time. I wonder why, because, come to think of it, because oh, they came to our hospital. Our, our ER is so cluttered. The hallways are so cluttered, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. I'd write the it. hospitals out here are like that, too. They're really cluttered. And I'm dealing with uh, about a good 20 to 30 hospitals a day with cats and social workers that are in positions and it, it's so crazy is because I, I'm I'm focused because of the fact that um targeting mess with my language and my supervisor told me she was like they said you wasn't capable. I said no, put it with me, I'll give her a try and so I said thank God for that and then lose my job because I can't tell her what I'm going through and um sometimes it makes me trip up when I'm speaking. I have to do announcement, I have to page Sometimes I they they do something to me when I'm paging like they grasp my 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 breath and I I can't even breathe. Um, I'm speaking to um clients, family members, and it's all type of they do to me. I I have been elevated and just broke down crying by myself. All type of stuff, just like this is just torture. It's crazy. How do you even be able to respond? That's why. I, but you know what I did do is I began to speak to my patients, family members. So I got a relationship with them. And mm-hmm. my, my ratings, when they, did, when they do the ratings and it goes around, our census and everything is up. And so now I'm working in the marketing where you have to keep the census up. So I'm, I'm, so I'm basically talking to the patients, speaking to the hospital and um, stuff like that. So it's a little bit better. But I but I've had found that a lot of the nurses are tripping up, and I'm yeah. like, oh, no, this is not. I know. Believe me, I'm I'm clean. I'm I'm doing the patient care while they're, you know, just doing the just going around flirting and wearing tight uniforms. I mean, they're all they're all uh, over at the desk and talking to everybody, and I go in to do a chart and stuff on a patient, and I always have to call button out. I have to call button out for the patient and put the railing up. And they're whatever. Anyway, that's my food. They're doing that on purpose. Yeah. Who wants to join in? Yeah, let's... <laughs> Anybody want to join in? Wow. 
Anybody else on the call? I'm on the call. There are more than 20 parties in conference. I'm here. I was. I just. I had unmuted my. Just unmuted myself. What was that noise? It was like a. That was loud. Whatever that was. Yeah, I think like there static. was. Huh? It sounded like static. I don't know, it no, like it, it, it was almost. It was almost like they were. They're just not wanting us to go into it. I, I was just going to make that last statement about them. Staff, but it, anyway, that's 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 not important. Just, just document everything, everything. Keep that documentation. Yeah, I couldn't believe the business find. I was doing her work for her. I'm sitting up here like, what? I, I was doing the, the business finance work. I was doing. Um, so my supervisor was like, no, you're going to be back up for marketing. And then they put me in the marketing office, and I'm sitting up here like, I'm actually doing the whole business finance department. She does nothing but go to the court dates. I'm like, she's great. I do the, the Medicaid for the patients, um, everything. I work with the state. And I'm just like, she does nothing. And, and I was catching her mistakes, and it was putting it off on me. And I'm like, this is not me. <laughs> yeah, no, like, like I said, if that's the only thing I encourage people when I get on the line here like this, document everything. Take pictures yeah. if you can. I have, I have so much documentation. Recording, audio, everything. Anything you can, do it. Another thing is I work, like, within the marketing. I'm doing admissions as patients coming in. And um, another thing is I do the complaints, customer complaints, and I'm like, oh, gosh, it falls back on me. I've had patients, family members come at me. And I'm like, it, it's just, it's crazy. It's so much stuff to how they target me. It's ridiculous. And it, 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 I just be like, this is too much. And with the, with the um, mood management and everything, it's, it's really horrible. And I have BK in my brain at the yeah. same time, visions in my eyesight. I'm trying to focus on work. And, and, and they, they have this one targeting you, that one targeting you. And I'm like, just focus, just focus. It's, it's really hard. But I could not believe the bit, being that I'm in another um, office now. I'm in a marketing department, in a business office. And she did, I guess she didn't want me to find out what she did because she didn't want me in office with her. That's the one I called corporate on her. And I reported her. I called the state on her, on the state of New Jersey. And I said, it, it was it was so many complaints of patients being abused and it was in the customer support. So the administrator came to me, and she said, what are you saying to the family members? And I was like, no, I'm taking their complaints. And this is what they're complaining about. And so when I called the state, they found out it was true. It was patients leaving off the patio, and, and it's a hill. Like, I work, like, in the mountains. So if they go down, they'll drop down the hill. I'm like, this is crazy. It's so crazy. It is crazy. It, it, I, I just, How long I have you been targeted? Oh, I've been for a long time. I'm 36 now. I've been targeted. Since I was younger, but I've always worked in business, and I um in um child care, I worked for um the board of education, so I was a family worker. So I worked in social work, and I worked mm-hmm. in the business department. So they targeted me with um when I was working in the board of education, they targeted me more with like the employees, and now they're doing it now too. But it it was more than they had one girl kept following me to each job and I said, excellent. I said, How did you get this job? I found it in the newspaper and this and that. The next thing you know, I had a car. She brought the same car I brought. And it, mm-hmm. it, it, 
everything I did, she did. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's they're making it hard for me because they're doing the touch technology, which made me cry so hard and so much. I, I just I couldn't stand there. I couldn't stand there with what they were doing to me. And I, I would hurry up through the chart, get my signatures, and finish it sitting down because they were touching me inappropriately with whatever the stupid technology is. But uh, now I've got In myself company- in a situation that. Yeah, yeah. And anything comes up, I'm gone. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And I can't miss car. I got a car payment next month, so it's like if I miss car payment, I can't afford to pay double. Yeah, and I'll lose my car. Honda's gonna take my car. I might as well park it outside. I took my my. uh, I have got a picture of a a tiger, a tiger plate for the front end of the car. So I took that off because I expect this is going to happen. So if it does, I'll leave the extra set of keys in the car, and they can take the whole damn thing. The only thing is, I'm eight miles from the nearest town. And the only thing is one mile north of me is a gas station, two gas stations, and a motel. That's it. <laughs> I, mean, I guess I could I could take out their garbage and do stuff for food. I don't know. I've already got, got, a, got two places picked out by the, by being homeless. If I can't find a job in time before I pay my pay my bills for next next month, it's not even tomorrow's going to be a deciding factor. And that's it. A- why I'm there too and I'm I've never paid this kind of money and I'm like I need something no I need some type of income and so I, I'm just like this is crazy I've never allowed this to happen to me and, and my income has changed tremendously and I'm like there's no way in the world I'm working in marketing getting paid at a receptionist rate that's just crazy no and I'm save like, what money you can save save it if there's any money you can save put it away you might need it yeah. Because they that's, will burn you enough to put you out on the street. Yeah. And that's what I had to think about, too. Like, And I'm the only one in the department within the business, the marketing, the administration that's getting paid that amount. And they didn't know. And it's, it's just that the targeting allowed people to talk, you know. And I'm just like, that's crazy. I don't know crazy, but I need a job. And so I'm like, I need a job. I, I just, I, the thing is, I've been at my job 23 years, and I've got one more year, one more year before I'm eligible for even early retirement. If I don't make it the year, I'll lose my early retirement. Because I thought, I'll take my early retirement and get the heck out of here. Because all they've left me here in this house I've been in 17 years is bad memories. I don't even want to be here. I was going to fix up my house. I had tile I was going to put in. And my expenses, my living expenses are affected so bad, I don't know even tomorrow if I'm going to have enough money for gas before next payday. I don't know. It's going to be either be paid bills or gas. I don't think my manager is going to be too happy if I call and say, by the way, I can't come in. I don't have any money for gas to come in. Yeah. And they took me off four days. And it wasn't FMLA or personal leave. They just said, I don't want you back until you see the doctor. And it hurt my paycheck. I went from an 80-hour paycheck tomorrow down to 48. And I'm supposed to pay bills with that. Yeah. I've got, I got a mortgage payment. I've got a house. My own bills here and light and electric and all that stuff. And if I can't pay them, do I pay the bills or do I pay for gas going to work? <laughs> I mean, they, they've hurt me so bad financially that yeah, I want to get the hell out of here. I'll take, I'll take what I can 
I can pack up everything I want. And that's like exactly small how U-Haul and, and get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. That's all they've left me in, in this house. I've been here. I've been in Florida 27 years. And I feel like I'm 26 again because 23 years at the hospital, they've discredited me every day in turn. My experience, anything, any kind of training that I could have helped train people, they don't even, nobody even asks me. So I'm like, I act stupid. I go, little, 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 little. I don't know nothing. I'm stupid. <laughs> so I say, fine, if you guys want to be that way, I'm just going to do my job. You guys do what you want to do. That's not they want to act that way. I just I say bye. I just I just say, okay, you guys act what you want to do. I'll go and do my own stuff and just yeah. block them out and just do my own job. Yeah, that's the hurtful part with me is because I have to be portrayed as I'm incompetent, I'm stupid, I can't, I don't know, I don't learn. And when I'm at work, I can feel my, like, I'll know it. And right in the middle of me doing work, they'll blank me out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And, and, and the next thing you know, someone's walking into the office, asking a question, and you can't even answer the question about an insurance claim or something. And, and I'm stuck. And I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, like, how are you even supposed to work like that? They sabotage everything. Everything. They screw in my carry. They screw in my stocks. Everything. I've lost mm-hmm. everything. They have, they have, like, totally destroyed me, and I'm, like, my credit, everything. Exactly. Mine, mine, too. I had, my credit was good. My finances were in great shape. I was going to get tile, remodel my house. I was going to get a second cat. My cat died in February. He was only, or, uh, he was only a year and four months old. I think they might have had something to do with it. And they also involved an actor to help reel me in. So I would trust, if I trusted him, I trusted them. And they kept me kept me thinking that I could trust them, you know that I had to. Yeah. Anyway, that's, I'm not gonna go into that. But anyway, they, that's how they reeled me in. They had me trust somebody else into trusting them, and they keep throwing him and his wife in my face every minute, and I'm getting tired of it. The only thing I throw back at him is the truth. I'm not into bashing people. I don't do that. I don't get revenge. I don't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. If I see them doing anything, uh, he's into uh, humanitarian stuff. If I see anything with animals, anything, I will, I will float the truth out right in front of his face. Mm-hmm. I'll slam it right back at him because they involved him, and he had stuff on his Facebook that did uh, connect him with these with, with the reeling me in. And it was mentioned that Ed Sheeran wrote the program. And it's a neural program. And he's not, he's, I don't know if it's a he or a she. But he uses the avatar from the British singer Ed Sheeran. And he's on, he's on my, he's on a, he's, he doesn't, he's not on my Twitter account, but he's, he, he has somebody on his account that's connected with mine. So he can read my Twitter. My Twitter account's locked. So nobody can see it. Unless you are already in uh, the group of twi- uh, Twitter uh, followers. So they, he can watch me. The, the actor can see whatever I'm writing down. So I'll throw the truth right back at him. Every damn time. 
I don't I don't go out and bash people and don't call people names and all that shit. I don't do that. That's stupid. Yeah, it's that's sounds... teenage stuff. That that's just plain stupid. I use that energy for something and say, no, this is what should be. Mm. This is what I found out to be true. Mm. No. And, and anything, any little thing that's, that I need to correct, I will I will post it. Mm-hmm. But that's how they how they real be and they. Can we write huh? letters for you? Can we write letters for you? Can, are there any government rules or hospital rules that you can use to help yourself? Or is there a, a complaint committee? No, I just document and protect yourself. It's, when you work in the healthcare and the business um, career, it's very, it's very competitive. And they're very sneaky, conniving. You always have to watch your butt from, like, even if you're not targeted. But just imagine when you're targeted. Yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, already, the place, yeah, the place I work now, I mean, it, you're expendable. Yeah. They'd rather hire. I mean, if I leave, they can hire someone else at a cheaper hourly mm-hmm. rate than they are paying me. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they don't mm-hmm. care. They don't care about your experience. They don't care about patient care, customer service, nothing. If they don't, they don't take. They, they're so disrespectful with their employees. And when you've got a, you've got employees that are not happy, you're not going to have happy customers or patients. Okay, I mean it's, it's a dominoes effect. If you don't, if you don't appreciate and uh, try to work with your employees, they're not going to be motivated to do any more than they have to. And then, when that time comes, they're clocking out. They're not going to do any more and say, oh, I'm going to finish up this. No, they say, screw that. I'm just leaving. Clock out yeah. life. That's it. I'm there's, out there's nurses that don't even give out all of the medication, and they're marking the MAR that they gave the medication. It's crazy. <laughs> well, the, patient, the basic patient care, basic patient care has mm-hmm. gone out the window. They eliminate yeah. text. I mean, texts are now actually taking the place of what used to be the LPNs. But being targeted makes it worse because you go to work, and I yeah. know these people have said things to me that only the perps know, and I just look at them. Well, they they damaged my eyes, and somebody right at the last minute before I left at 10.30 one night, it's, oh, that's mm-hmm. this old lady dance. Mm-hmm. I've never considered myself old, but they've damaged my eyes so bad. With the radio frequency that I found out that was what it is, there's a thermal heating inside my optical area of my eyes, and I get horrible. I have horrible headaches every day for over a year. They're not migraines. And they'll say things to me that only the perps know. So I know they're being instructed to say things. Who is that? Groaning over there. Does he have a name? I guess he does not. I'm just saying that this is what they do. And they're well aware of the calls, too. Mm-hmm. I talked to someone who mentioned something that mm-hmm. pertained to me personally. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt that these people listen on on the calls. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they do. And I, I think, you know, I think from what I figured out on that is they want to hear how we're doing. 
they want to listen in on how we're feeling and stuff. Who's the heck's moaning over there? I don't know, but it's annoying. Somebody's moaning or doing something. <laughs> Any, anyway, I, I, I think they just want to know how we're feeling and what's going on, how, how effective they are. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, they, they can listen. I mean, there's nothing we can do. I don't know the identity of two uh, people that were on my Twitter account. Uh, it would take a lot of a lot of investigation for me to check it. Uh, do you have a name? Yeah, my name, um, I'm David. From okay, Miami. hi, Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Nice to meet you, Stephen. I'm Beth from Florida. I wasn't pertaining to you. I was, I was the guy that was groaning. I, I thought he's not. He's just groaning. <laughs> oh, yeah. where, where are you? Where are you from, Stephen? I'm from Miami. From where? Miami. Miami. Wow. Miami, Florida. Yeah. All the way down there. I'm in, fun, I'm yeah. in central Central Florida. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, they they've done are a good you, job on me, and they're pushing it. Are you close to Pensacola? Huh? Sorry. The lady from uh, Middle Florida. Are you close to Pensacola? I, I still, I still did not, didn't quite understand what you said, huh? Uh, I said, are you close to Pensacola, Florida? Oh no, 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 not Pensacola. No. Uh, okay. Winter, winter, uh, Orlando. South. Oh, Orlando. never mind then. I, yeah. I live in South. I live in South Alabama, and I'm like an hour from Pensacola. Wow. I thought about going north, <laughs> or, or maybe going to the coast. Because if I move to the coast, if I can buy a little house or a little one-bedroom condo or something, I can go to the coast and go to the beach every day. I mean, that would be cool. I could be at the beach. But I said I live on the co- I live on the Gulf Coast. I mean, I'll take a chance on hurricanes. I mean, the hurricanes. Heck, I could. I feel safer with going through a hurricane than going through this every day. Yeah. yeah. It's like hurricanes <laughs> come and go. Yeah. And Central Florida saw three hurricanes in two months back in 2004. I think I can survive. <laughs> you know. If you can survive what you're going through now, then you can Oh, yeah. Her. If I can survive, if I survive this, I can, do, yeah. I can survive anything. I'll take a hurricane. I do a F5 tornado, whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, it's just, it, it just, uh, it's like, oh, that's nothing compared to what I think. <laughs> you know, I mean, they they really they want me out of the, out of the hospital for some reason. I don't know what they why they're pushing me because the sad thing about it, I am so close to even early retirement. I can't even get my pension until next year. Yeah, you got to hang in there. If I leave now, I don't have. I'm 53. I don't have another 23 years to work at another job to get a pension. No way. I'll have yeah. nothing. I'd have just have my Social Security. That's it. Yeah. And I no, already no, have you... this built up so much. If I've been at my house 17 years. Well. So I've got to lose all this stuff because of these perps. Crazy. Yeah. And to me, they're, most, they're the most dangerous people on Earth. They, they make ISIS look like one place of these teddy bears. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they don't attack ISIS. Do you know how much damage they could do to ISIS? Uh, I feel like, I, I mean, I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I feel huh? like they al- allow ISIS to exist or, you know, be- because for their benefit. 
to, to yeah, I think they use, I think they're using ice as like is like a derision, like of course like, distraction. Yeah, that's it. Oh, they they no no they don't really care. And the saddest part of it is, if it's our American military, this country's screwed because yeah. they're supposed to be protecting us. And to me, I don't know what the the penalty is or if they're a criminal uh, fine or whatever it is for being a traitor. If they're actually you know, being a traitor if they're in the military. This is military. It'll go all the way up to administration. I would imagine it, it has to be some kind of government or maybe some schools. I mean, I've, I've read a whole bunch of stuff online about, you know, these DARPA-funded contracts with schools mm-hmm. you know, to provide these uh, advanced technologies. But the sad part is that I don't think it's illegal, you know? I mean, I, I, I mean, and if it is, no one really cares. No one's really looking for it. They're distracted by this puppet puppeted uh um campaign that we have going on now with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Well there's there's two things I'm thinking I'm trying to think logically about this. And it's very difficult because assaulting people is against is against the law. It's a crime. They don't yeah. realize that. Number one, I think if they can use mind control I mean right now they can use mind control to to control drones. Imagine our military with a, V2, a V2K or connected with some computer on an unmanned rocket. If they can picture this rocket in their mind and then their eyes, they're looking at a map of Moscow. Let's say they're going to bomb Moscow or Iraq or somewhere. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you know when, when we're not in so good terms with Russia, but Let's say they take Iraq or Afghanistan or somewhere. If they imagined it and then in their mind said, go or fire, they can shoot that drone off unmanned and bomb another country using mind control. They can do it from a ship. The Navy can do it from a ship. Yeah, I'm sure that technology is That's the scary part of it. They could use that because the thing of it is, even on a minor scale, if I pictured Godzilla in my head, the, the roar, or if I'm feeling angry, the Godzilla roar, I can hear the Godzilla roar in the V2K. Can you yeah. imagine them using the mind control on a drone or a nuclear weapon and yeah. say go, and they, they're looking at a map of where their target is instead of sacrificing military personnel they could take that drone and fire it all the way, even from the ship, because the mind control wouldn't go that far, obviously. But even using the radio frequency, radar, sonar, to get on a ship, and they can bomb any place in your, any place in uh, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan. Uh, they can send a nuclear weapon that way. You know, and the sad thing about it, the mind does not have a firewall. They can connect to your brain with the brainwave activity, the, the frequencies, brainwave entrainment. The thing is, I think they're trying to figure out what holes are in their computer program or whatever they're doing because, like I was saying Spanish words, um, but using Pig Latin. Their computer huh. doesn't understand Spanish. And the computer does not recognize Spanish with Pig Latin. No, no. So I'm trying imagine. to trick them. So the thing is, I'm teaching them what their program doesn't know. 
Huh. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to learn what they're doing because if people understood the science and the technology and looked at the logic of how, okay, we're, not, we're doing everything wireless now, but if they can connect to your mind unknowingly, they can test their program and see, okay, neural programming, how can we get this person completely under our control? And if they do that, they want to see what flaws are in the program so, so they can learn to reprogram. And when a person starts trying to throw them off guard, I can say the Blue Mountain over the Rockies is out by Sacramento, up by the moon. That's, that's a weird sentence. But that tells me I'm thinking. Not them. Yeah. But they're learning from the neural programming what flaws the programming has, and all they have to do is like a physical mind control. Uh, they're trying to tap into the part of the mind. <laughs> you 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 can like fight fight. I think of Jaws. The the theme song from Jaws comes out. I can play in your phone. If I Excuse feel me. something, huh? Hello, is Joe still on the call? I don't know, Joe. Joe. I'm trying to learn what they're wanting mm. and why. Mm. I'm a white person. I have to know why everything. I don't just say okay, yes to that. Like no, I want to know why. Yeah. How? How? Why did you get to A and B? How did you get there? I want to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But that's dangerous as hell because the brain just has no firewall. And they can hook onto your radio using radio frequency to hook up to you with electromagnetic control of some kind. Yeah. And really you win. They don't care what happens to the to the victim. They're looking at the program because they wake up every day on their damn twelve hour shift that I'm thinking. How can I hurt this person? They don't care about the person's health, <clears throat> well-being, financial. They don't care about that. They're worried about the program. That's priority. Hmm. And yeah, I think the military, because the military are above the law. They can go anywhere, flash their their IDs, and say, okay, we have a person we've been watching, special interests or whatever, and the hospital or business say, sure, Okay. But those two ideas are what I'm thinking they're doing. If they can, if they can move a drone with a brain, with your brain, brain control, mind control. Imagine what they can do with a nuclear weapon. And you've got World War Three. And that sad thing about it, it can happen. It, it, it's not like you're physically putting your hand over a button to make sure that nuclear weapon goes off. Star Wars program was dismantled, but the, our brains are not. You can't stop your hearing from listening. I've got brain entrainment for two years. The neural programmer is trying to learn from learn what flaws that someone else might think of to block them. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> Anybody else there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that's that's dangerous because the mind, the brain has no firewall. You can't install an antivirus on your, your brain unless we all walked around like Magneto from X-Men with a some kind of magnetic, some kind of a protection over our head. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> I, I, I feel I wish I could. People were talking about trying to protect from electromagnetic radiation. I can't do that because it's the chest pain that I, I was getting a lot of that when they first connected with me. My headaches are continuous. My eyes are swollen all the time, the, the skin above my eyelids. So when they back off on it, the skin relaxes so much it's wrinkled. And I'm a young 53. I don't even have 53. I don't look 53. And they're they're trying to come up with stuff to make me feel bad. They already did that. But the scary part is these people start messing with the mind more and more in the brain. We're screwed. Yeah. I don't really mind. Not that I don't mind that. I, I, the thermal heating, I can, I can, I can tolerate. It's huh? the, the voice, the skull thing, the, you know, the constant and the dialogue they choose to use, you know, and, you know, of course they say stuff to like dehumanize you and bring you down. And, you know, I, I've, I've managed to keep neutral about they, it. They make, they make you think it's dialogue. Go ahead. I've, I've got, I've got new information on that. I don't know if anybody else here. I mentioned on the last call a few days ago. No, so we can't do anything about your job. I wish we could. I suggest you get the other employees together and get a union committee, a complaint committee, and try to work on it from that angle. Otherwise, they may put you out and you may lose and don't want to do that. Secondly, you might try to hire a lawyer, talk to one about what you can do to save your retirement. And thirdly, if worst came to worst, you might be able to talk with them and say, let me work another year and a half or whatever it is you need to get your retirement. And, you know, or maybe just sort of hint around that you would like to uh, finish working and get your retirement. See, there are a lot of companies that don't want No, I, I agree with you, but the thing of it is there's too many big wigs in the administration that are going to um, support, if it is military, and I think it is, it's going to be a hell of a fight. Because for for anybody to believe what was going on, I mean, when I'm standing there talking to a patient and they start using the touch technology on me, even I would find it hard to believe. But knowing, going through it, what I what I'm trying to figure out is the science on it because there is it's not like an imaginary oh they're they're aiming a laser at me. I try to figure out how that how that's happening. That's the kind of person I am. That's what I'm trying I'm trying to figure out the radio frequency I found out with my eyes. But trying to get people to believe us, I think if we did have if we put all our evidence together, all of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we might have some kind of case, but the thing is we still don't know exactly who they are. And that's the scary part because if they are military, it's going to be a hell of a fight because everybody's going to be in denial and they're going to lock us all up (laughs) or kill us or whatever. 
They can do that. They burn people. I I had a cut on my arm that they reopened a little bit on the corner. Not bad, but I, I know I didn't bump it. It was already pretty much healed. And they reopened it. So they can do some serious damage. Anybody else there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, uh, I'm just barely, I'm hanging on a, by a thread with my job right now, and it's it's getting down to the nitty-gritty, so I don't know how long I'll even be <laughs> afloat here. I have no idea. I don't want to leave. I don't want to die. I don't want to do anything. I want to stay here. I want to continue with my life at the hospital and everything, and they're just making it so difficult. Um, it's hard to feel motivated to do anything. Yeah. That's what they try to do. They debilitate you so you don't do mm-hmm. anything. And hang in there. Go ahead. I, I was saying, keep fighting. You're very muffled. Yeah, you, you sound muffled. <laughs> Did Joe ever show up? Did he ever come back on? I have something to... Is that Jesus? Hmm. Yeah, the guy that was talking, I, he was muffled. Uh, sometimes Jesus is kind of muffled. Jesus, is that you? Uh, this is Beth from Florida. I'm sorry. This is Beth from Florida. No, I'm I'm not. I know I've heard you. It was the person trying to talk a minute ago. Yeah, I, he hasn't come back on yet. And Joe's not moderating anymore. I think he's off. Okay. Hello. Yes. Hey Joe. Okay. Hey Joe. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Okay. Yeah. Joe, I just heard something that might be of interest to you. It's something about, it's a Freedom of Information uh, Act um, paper that someone was reading off the uh, Internet, and it's about a general dynamics contract written in 2013 that uh, is supposed to go for seven years, and it talks about, it it says they will use hazardous technology uh, on non-consensual uh, experimentation using non-lethal weapons. It's just a whole bunch about it. But um, the person reading was a TI. Her name is Ann Rosen something, and she uh, lives in New York. But you might want to check this out. She did give us a website. Okay. S is in, okay, S is in Sam E, as in Edward O, dot gov. But she's not really positively sure how she ended up with it. She started with this mucklack.com, somebody who goes after uh, Freedom of Information Act and stuff. But it's supposed to be uh, research to protect Air Force personnel, would you believe, to protect them, you know, 
protecting us. Too protect much. them. They need us. They're supposed to be protecting our country. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. In uh, paper, and I don't know, it said something about Houston training. Uh, you said something about General uh, GD was uh, kind of shutting down. Are they moving? Uh, no, it's just that I haven't heard anything uh, about them in about uh, 10 years in, in this area where they're located at here in Fort Worth. Okay. I just thought I'd pass that on. You might check it out. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, the floor is open. We got uh, a little over 40 people on. Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. If anybody wants to jump in and add anything they've learned or any ideas they've got. Stevie, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. How long have you been, been a TI? I think at least five years, um, uh, maybe longer. What all have they been doing for, doing to you? Um, most, I mean, right now it, it's kind of uh, just mostly voice of skull, um, some thermal heating. I don't, I don't even know the right terminology, but just some mm-hmm. some radiation of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, but before it was a. Uh, it was way intense. I would say like the first two years were like this. I was like incapacitated. I was paralyzed by fear. I couldn't move. I was, uh, yeah, what's the word I'm thinking about? Uh, Has your computer been hacked? I I got rid of it, actually. <laughs> I kind of just uh, rely on my phone to get by. And yeah, I do have a TV. But yeah, my computer, is, yeah. Yeah, they, they can back. go and, as they say, go through the back door and you don't even know they're there. So that's yeah. how mine started. My computer was hacked. Oh, that's how they found out I was following Ian Summerhalder, and they used him as bait. And he huh. agreed. He posted things on Facebook that were that coincided with what the tweets from the two people that used to be on my Twitter account, and people have advised me to get off it. Like, no, I'd be a sitting duck if I did. I'm keeping communication open. So I can learn more about what's going on and keep my Facebook going. I'm I am i am a uh advocate for animals and other stuff that I believe in and I'm gonna post it. And yeah. I you know, stuff like that. I'm still trying to keep my life as normal. Exactly. As, as you can. should. As you should, yeah. That's the only way to keep as sane as possible and you know, appear normal. They stay in reality because the V2K, they they can they get you so much in the V2K oh, that, God, they do. that, they really that when do. you're standing there, they're, it's, it's like being in a crowd and you're listening in on a conversation. But what I found out is what they can use the different voices, different tones to make it sound, make it appear that you're hearing them talking to you. But guess what? It's your own feelings. They used to do that to me in the if beginning. If you feel something, the, yeah. the the response will come in a verbal, it'll be a verbal response. Yeah. And it's not them, it's you. Yeah. It's not not them, not their voices. It's you. And all they're doing, what I do is I imagine this, this young guy sitting on a chair with headphones on. 
because there's a ticking sound on my fan above my desk right now that I heard from the beginning before they screwed around with my ears. The touch technology, they, they mess up with your eardrums to where your hearing is tuned in to the V2K. They do that first. If they don't want, like, I don't think they wanted me to commit suicide or anything because if, if, they, if they didn't do that in the beginning, I probably would not be here right now. Yeah. But they do that first. But the V2K can get you so involved in your mind, in your head, that that's, that's the, right now. Yeah. They, they, what they, they, they're trying to sway you away from external noises. Like I, I'll put headsets on. I'll turn my music up in my living room, my bedroom. By the way, I've also suggested to people turn on three different radio stations in your house. I used to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it, it worked for a little while. I mean, it, it actually helped me. Help me. They want to keep you from thinking. What I can't figure out, though, as far as the dots, is that. I mean, I, I would assume that they're not necessarily hearing me I'm saying right now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming that whatever I'm thinking or saying is being transmitted, you know, through the air or, or however, you know, via however. Yeah. And it's, uh, going through a computer and then through a voice, you know, simulator or something. Exactly. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if they can actually hear me, you know, all the time or or they're just what they hear is uh. They can't understand it because even at the last minute, I remember thinking this before when I went into, into Winter Haven and I was going to stop for pizza. Well, I decided I'd like to stop at Papa John's. And they have a whistle. There is a signal that they use at work. I went to Discount Auto or Discount Tire place because I had a flat tire one night. And the coke, the smell of coconut, which is what Ian Summerhalder's wife uses. Uh-huh. When I went to the bathroom and I came back out in the lobby, the smell of the coconut was in the air. Plus, they've used the whistle. When I when I traded for my hot to a Honda, the guy uh-huh. using the handheld pay thing, I was standing outside when they were uh, I was getting my windows tinted. Twice yeah. that same whistle came off his phone, or came off the device. When I'm typing patients that the sound will come up. So it's, it's, it's like they're telling me we're here. They've, uh-huh. asked, they've been in my house. They've even knocked down. Uh, I had washed rugs and laid them across one of the chairs and, and on the patio in the back. And they knocked down a mud, mud wasp nest on the ceiling of the, the patio roof. And all the, all the <laughs> dirt from the mud wasp was on, all of it was on the, the uh, carpets or the little carpets I had. And, or rugs, I'm sorry, rugs. And I didn't do that. I hadn't been on the patio for over a week at that time. So they had to be on my, they were on my patio. It's like they let you know, by the way, we're here physically. It's like they yeah. want to remind me, by the way, we're here. It's, we're not on head, speakers, audio equipment, whatever spot equipment, whatever they're using. But they remind me periodically we're here physically. Yeah. And my my neighbor, he rents houses out in the neighborhood I live in. And I don't doubt that one of them or whoever they are might have rented one of the houses. Yeah, oh, for sure. I, I mean, I, I forget I forgot what website I, I read. Sort of like a more or less they it outlined a protocol they follow. And yeah, mm-hmm. I guess they want to, you know, I mean, they'll surround you. It, it, they'll gang stalk you. So they'll, they'll be sure to, like, you know, know your daily routines and try to, uh, 
to move around you, you know, I mean, just just to better surveillance you, but whatever yeah. their objective is, but, you know, yeah. I got a messy house. They want to look at a messy house. There's nothing here. I don't want, I don't, I'm not rich. I don't have any <laughs> But uh, whatever their, their purpose is, it's an insane purpose. It's psychotic. I mean, I don't wake up every morning thinking of hurting somebody. Yeah. But they do keep you from thinking, like, let's say, okay, tomorrow I've got to do this, next week I've got to do that. Instead of allowing you to think that way that you would normally think, they constantly want your attention, like drama queens. They constantly want to keep your attention so when you're feeling something and you hear that voice or that synthetic telepathy in your head, the V2K, it's not them, it's, it's you. Now, you can tell your own thinking. Say, wait a minute, I didn't think that. But yeah. the, thing, the key thing is sometimes they are communicating and sometimes they're not. But these, are, these people are doing it 24-7. Yeah, they really they're are. active military. <laughs> exactly. But they'll try to know you in to keep you in your head to where yeah. any external, if you, external noise, I'm like, okay, I've got to knock on something and know, okay, that's, that's a real sound. They keep it on something. Go ahead. No, it kind of reminds me of this. Uh, I forget what, what psychologist did this. Pablo or something. Pablo's dog. Mm, yeah, Pablo. The, Pablo. Uh huh. They did the that bell. to me at work. They would you play know? a song with the with the brain entrainment. They played some song a song some songs from uh, I like to sing. And when I was a teenager, I was able to really belt out a song pretty pretty good. And I was trying, you know, this one lady that album I was singing along with, they played a song, but it was from the memory of singing it, not the words of the song, but they played it so much, I'd start crying. Oh, wow. Because of the memory of, uh, you know, when I was, you know, I enjoyed singing, I loved singing so much, and it was the memory of hearing the song, not the words. They, They think... They were trying to reel me in to think that I, thinking that I had a crush on Ian Summerhalder, which I did not. They kept <laughs> reeling me in for that. And I'm like, no, I don't have a crush. I thought he was a great guy. I followed him on Twitter. I opened my Twitter and Facebook account because of him. And my life was turned around. My life was positively affected by him. But they used him, and he agreed. That's the sad part of it. He cooperated with these people. Because there were things on his Facebook that directly coincided with the tweets that this Ted, who used to be on my, my account, he act, Ted acted like Ian, like he wanted to meet me. So all this time, the first half of the year, they had me thinking he was interested in meeting me. And he did not. Oh, yeah. It was all bullshit. Yeah, they, <laughs> I didn't get online yeah. for seven months. But um, that's the whole boring <laughs> they go, story. They go but, for the emotions, you know? They yeah, but the they, they do that. But, but the Pavlov's dog is like the dog hears a bell, he starts salivating. They uh-huh. play a song, I start crying. But what uh-huh. they didn't understand, it wasn't the words in the song. Even my own music, I stopped playing my own music because they were repeating it a hundred times. Yeah. So then when I would hear the song, I'd get mad because it reminded me of them. But what they uh-huh. tried to do when I would cry it wasn't the, the the words, it wasn't anybody I was thinking about in particular. I just loved singing that song. And my voice is not is not that good now. Uh, I've been a smoker, unfortunately, and 
you know, it hurt my voice, but I remember how much I loved singing those, that music. That's somebody else not somebody else tell. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. But that's how they do it with the brain entrainment. And I've yeah. not had, I've not been without sound for two years. For two hours, can we help you? Wait, how? What do you mean? Hello? Uh, if anybody else wants to talk, go ahead. I'm just agreeing with what you said with the Pavlov theory thing. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you know anyone wants to jump in, please do. You know, I mean, by all means, continue talking. <laughs> this is yeah, what well, that, that's how, how they do it. Any music you like. I, I even bought Ed Sheeran. I, I bought one of the CDs. I listened to one song. I was kind of uh, curious about it. And right. I started listening to one song. Right. I thought, I love, I like the music. I love the music when I first heard it. I thought, I better, I better turn that thing off because they're going to play it a hundred times and then I'm going to hate the song. Uh-huh. <laughs> because when I hear it, I'm going to think of these people. Yeah. So I stopped listening to my own music. So I listen to country and hard rock. I listen to Metallica, which I can't stand. And I'm not wow. a big lover of country. So when I would play about three or four either radio stations, put my CD player on, and get sound, external sound, going on in the house, with it all mixed up like white noises, it helped me think because it was all mixed up. So they're uh, learning from they're learning how we're reacting to them. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But I would think they could do that with volunteers as opposed to taking people's lives, because people have committed suicide over this. And to me, that tells me that even someone like Ian Summerhalder endorses, when he cooperated with these people, it endo- he endorsed what they do. That's my message from him. And that totally blew my mind away when I saw things on Facebook that were totally out of character of him and posting things, trying to reel me in. He had posted... Uh, it was like two dozen roses or a dozen red roses. Said, I got these for you. He didn't, and then even one he came out and said, how are you doing today, D-A-E? Those are my initials. Huh. And there's a picture of his face, a close-up picture of his face when he was playing Damon, sleeping, and it said, D-A-E, plot me slipping. So there is a lot of connection, and Ted is a British writer. Sure. And there's a lot of stuff he said, pretending like he was in, that reeled me in to make me think. It's like they were trying to turn me into, oh my God, like I was a crazy fan or something. Like, no. The thing of it is, I never asked him to tweet me or follow me. And I never gone to a convention. But that's what they were trying to induce and provoke, and they did not. They failed. So were these and everything uh, Ian guys? Did, it just, huh? Were these guys that you friended on Facebook, or a guy that's trying to be two people? Were they friends with any other friends of yours before no. you became friends? No. You know, normally. The thing, well, the thing of it is, Ted. Ted followed me. I I followed Ian's account. I opened Twitter December 2012. Make a long story short. 
he was one of the first people that followed me. And there was many tweets that reflected Ian Summerhalder directly. And I thought, wow, you know, it's great. You know, if he thought that was him, I mean, it would be a great thing, I thought, that he could disguise himself with another Twitter account and express his feelings, you know, and say anything he wants without anybody knowing it was him. But the weird thing about that, the key weird thing is, my tweet stayed on Ian's account, his real account. Now, on Twitter, unless people are following you, your tweets, when you tweet them, or follow, you know, follow, try to follow them, your tweets disappear. But if they're following you, your tweets stay on their account. That's the key thing. And Ted's account, he stayed with me up until late last year. And Ian's been dating this girl that he ended up marrying. And I tweeted, I posted something on Facebook about uh, not, not looking for a princess, look for a queen. <clears throat> and apparently he got pissed. And Ted left my account. But now, the odd thing about it, Ted is now using, and you can look it up, it's hashtag, it's Ted Page. You can't follow him now. He was connected with Ian. But my, my tweets never stayed on Ian Summerhalder's account until Ted joined me. So there's a connection, what I'm saying. I'm not getting off Twitter or Facebook because to me that's my communication. That's my, my open door to the no, internet you to choose, find out what's going on. You could choose who you communicate with. That's within your power. Yeah. You can but I'm, I'm, I'm watching them. You block, you can choose who <laughs> say anything to you. That's that's your choice. Yeah. So if you leave your, your accounts wide open where anybody can make up anything. No, no, not everybody. No, no, the thing is, my Twitter account, the ISF, he's got three, there's three accounts. ISF, uh, his organization, there's three accounts that are following me. Ian can easily connect with ISF crew. So look at my tweets. My Twitter account is locked. Yeah. Nobody can get on my account unless I okay it. If I look at their account and I like what, what they've posted, I'll follow them. And I don't doubt there's people already on my account that I've already noticed even recently. They're, they're watching me. I have no idea what the heck they're watching. I'm not that, that interesting a person. I mean, it's, it's not like I've got anything. I'm not going to say anything bad. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to bash Ian or his wife. But if they do anything involving that is incorrect, like she, her, his wife promotes metal prong collars on her own dogs, that to me, it erases everything that she's been an animal advocate for. It erases everything. Metal prong collars are dangerous. I'm not going to go into the boring stuff. Anyway, Ted was connected with Ian. And now he is using a hashtag account, which is suspicious to me. And like you said about contacting, I'm watching them. Ed Shuran left my account, but on his end of it, Souls Without Voices are one account that he's connected with and I am. So if he wanted to look at my account, he can go into their Twitter and look up me. Well, do you have a 
uh, on your settings, do you have, it should say, uh, who can see your post? And it has yes. friends, friends yeah, of I've friends. Yeah, I've got it for everybody. I don't, I don't have anything that, you know, that's bad about, uh, you know, that I, I don't put anything really bad on Twitter at all. Well, the, so you got it set that uh, everybody can see. If you got friends, their friends can see. Well, your no, I, no, actually, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I take that back. Um, you can't see my Twitter account because it's locked. But the people that are already on it can. Yeah. And Ian Summerhalder and this guy Ted and Ed. I don't know about Ted. I don't know where he's at. The setting you um, can go and stop all that. And only your friends can see it, not your I friends. friends. But I want them to see it. Well, so I want to get a message to like Ian Summerhalder, who probably doesn't know dip. I mean, he probably doesn't even know. Because it, it, being a targeted individual, your life should be chaos enough without trying to find some more to add to it. No, no, no. The thing, no, the thing of it is, Joe. The key thing is these two people, Ed and Ted, and Ian. They're the ones that started Same. everything that I'm going through right now. I'm not losing their connection. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to disconnect from the people that got me into this shit. Well, they didn't I can watch them and they, they're watching me oh, and I'm going to not anything. Because an uh, ordinary citizen has no power to get you on this list. What do you, what do you mean? Uh, my neighbor can't get me on this list. My doctor can't get me on this list, and uh, I don't believe the cops can get me on this list. This list that has me a singled-out, targeted individual no matter where I go. To where an artificial intelligence almost is keeping up and manipulating everything in my life. Job, family, friends, uh, money. Uh, post-it, uh, you name it, that uh, something it has uh, focused its attention on me. It's almost to where I could say I have, it's evil enough to where I say I have a curse on me, like voodoo mm-hmm. or hoodoo, and it's out of my control. And so the more I uh, keep fumbling and making mistakes, it makes my targeting worse. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 the kind of person though I want I want everything open. I want to be able to see what they're doing because if I shut them out and don't have any record of anything, I'm a sitting duck. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm, I'm when when I'm a very quiet person I'm a reserved person, but when it comes to my own life being threatened, my cat died because of these people. I'm keeping communication open. I'm going to find out as much as I can because it's the only way. If, like I said, if I close everything, it's like closing the doors and sitting in your house, just literally sitting there waiting for these people to screw me over more. I'm not doing that. Yeah, you know, it's almost like I was trying to. I was going to mention earlier. Um, let's say you're followed to your car in a parking lot, and someone's, you know, someone's maybe 20 feet behind you. Well, guess what's going to happen? You know what's the, the weirdest thing about human nature is surprise. Let's say you stopped and turned around and you looked directly at them. They're going to stop and say, oops. Or you can be bold enough to walk right up to them and say, can I help you? 
Because you know they followed you in the mall and they followed you out in the parking lot. Like, I got a can of mace here. Or I've got a, a, you know, something. People don't expect the surprise. They don't expect the unexpected. They freeze. So I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to keep communication open so I learn more. If I learn more about them and what they're doing, then I can be more aware and watchful when I walk out my door. Because then I'm going to stop and turn around and look right at them. That kind of reminded me of a another T.I. I won't say who it is, but they uh, something you had said triggered what they was talking about in their targeting. How mm-hmm. if you they was following you through the mall, they're waiting for you outside. Uh, you being a woman, you're going to confront them, whether it's a man or a woman. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying I would, but I'm just saying they wouldn't expect it. Right. Well, see that, like, that other okay, person, that other now, TI, you know, they were really shocked. Okay. They, <laughs> oh, they have people uh, 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 running in front of the gas pump in front of them. And they don't get gas. They just sit there and open up a newspaper. Exactly. And the whole side. And then when they go back up to get on the other side, somebody else goes on the other side and sits there and gets on the phone. Yep. So this person is sitting there screaming, yelling. And every time they call on the call, they're always yelling at somebody around them, you know, really mm-hmm. verbally at their at their perps, you can call them. And, and I asked them, I said, uh, while they're waiting at the gas station, yelling and screaming, saying absurd things to them and really off-the-wall things to them, that uh, why don't you just uh, go to another gas station? They said, mm-hmm. it's the point that they are not going to do this to me. And with the verbiage that they were saying while they was on the phone, I asked them, I said, has, have, has anybody ever got offended the way you talked to them? Well, <laughs> what do you mean? I said, well, you could... That's very easily way to get beat up, jumped. Well, yeah, they've already jumped me and beat the crap out of me, black and blue. And I said, you know what? I believe it because of the way they were. They didn't even see how they was totally consumed with it, and all they had to do was go to another gas station, avoid these people. Well, the thing of it is, too, that would be interesting is to watch the watcher. If you stood there and acted like I'm just gonna stand here and look at right look right at you. I'm gonna make you uncomfortable. And there was a guy and I've I've only mentioned the one person when this thing first started. I was out on my patio. I was trying to my bird feeders were knocked over. There was one at the top of it's a solid plastic, hard, and a heavy top. It was eight feet behind the base. Behind it. They, I don't know why they knocked it over. Anyway, I I fixed it up. I fed my birds. I sat back down. I was so upset and so scared. I looked up, and there's woods behind my house. And I did see a guy standing in the woods. He had these black round goggles or something on his face. I didn't look at him that closely. But I did see somebody. I don't know what the hell he was doing there, but I wish to God I had the courage instead of sitting there crying to get my ass up and walk right up to him and says, what are you doing here? 
you're trespassing on personal on private property. I did see somebody. And I don't doubt I've met these people because when I work in the ER, I'm staying, I'm working at Rapid, I see the guys these guys like you're talking about leaning up against the wall playing with their phone and they've got no purpose. They're just standing there. They never asked about a patient in the back. And they just stand there. And I watch them. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to stand here and watch you. Turn the tables on them. That's the only way you're going to get your strength. Turn the tables on them and confront them if you can. If, if not verbally or walk up to them or anything, just watch them. Then I'm going to stand here and look right at you, make you uncomfortable. Because they're there. They will physically let you know they're there. They have with me. Yes. Yeah. No, I, was, I guess I was just saying that just as maybe as a, uh, a advice or a warning to always be aware of you know when you when you go looking sometimes you find more than you bargained for. Oh, I know. I, I'm just I'm just saying that more t- nine, ten out of ten times. A human being, anybody, even if you're driving, let's say you're driving with a bunch of people left and right lane and everything, then all of a sudden you hit the gas and you started uh, interweaving, weaving in between the cars. Guess what? Everybody's going to stand still because they didn't expect it. The element of surprise. Uh, Earlier, when uh, before I spoke a while ago, uh, there was uh, some. (laughs) Some lady from East Virginia trying to shut you down from talking, mm-hmm. saying you was talking too long, give it a break, or what have you. Uh, she does that every time she comes on the call, so don't pay attention to that lady when she does that. Well, I, she, I've, looked, I've, I've been quiet periodically, and no one else is saying she anything. She to everybody. Uh, and when they, you know, it, the confrontation gets worse, she tells them to shut up, calls them a perp. Tells them to get off the phone, and it's just because she don't like maybe your voice. She don't like what you're saying, so she'd rather shut you down instead of hang up. Well, we're, support, we're supporting everybody. If I've got information or an idea, I want to share it with people. If you can use it, fine. If not, please jump in and talk. Yeah. yeah. yeah ignore that lady because every chance I hear her, I'm, I'm putting it on mute and blocking her out. Mm-hmm. Because she's ran enough TIs off this call, and what oh, happens just way overdue. She ain't gonna do it no more. Good. Yeah, there there was one lady I think was got mad at me or something. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll stop at this moment. Do you want to talk? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Alice, Virginia. So ignore her when she does come on. Tell her no. You hush. I'm talking. I'm just going to try to find out everything I can. So when I get on this phone, talk to you guys, I'll share it with you. If it pertains to you, I want to do whatever I can to help you because I'm going through, I'm on a thread myself. My job's on the th- on a thread and I don't know what I can do after this because I'm out of money. And at my age, it's very hard. I can't start over. So I'm feeling like everybody else. And if I have something I can share that might help, yeah, for sure, because uh, uh, as 
as everyone else has figured out, they've got uh, uh, taken away from their lifelong jobs, mm-hmm. uh, not able to even get a job, much less work, and they've had to resort to possibly early retirement or disability. <laughs> and believe you me, nobody's living high off a hog off a of disability. We've no. all been undercut and underpaid now. Uh, like I said, with our lifelong jobs have been taken away. So it's uh, it's not – no one wants to be here uh, drawing mm-hmm. disability or anything. If they could, they would probably go straight back to work, you know, but it's just – it's not feasible no. uh, at some times for some people. <laughs> but they've hurt me financially so bad. I don't even know if I can pay the rest of my bills after tomorrow. I've got oh, if, it, if it gets down to that, you'll have to do like the rest of us have. You lose your cars, you lose your house, you sell off your furniture, you downsize, and before you know it, you're living in a trailer park or out of a tent. Yeah. I've already got two places picked out under the uh, Highway 27 overpass. And they're, they're wanting me to live with a friend who, who I've known over 10 years, and she came up with, why don't you go on psych disability? I mentioned, I mentioned about the music or the sound, the weird sound I was hearing. And she kept, I mean, she didn't even ask the right questions that a normal person would say, would ask. And I'm like, psych disability, okay. She's known me over 10 years, and this is her answer. If she was my friend, I wouldn't listen to you. I'd slam the door on my, their faces. I'm not listening to you. I listen to myself, to my hair, to my hair. Okay, being a my, nurse. In my head and my heart. I'm going to help my friend. Being a nurse. I what other people think. I want to ask you a question. Go ahead. Uh, this this ain't your field, but you should. You're a nurse. You, you should know this. I think. No, I'm, I'm not a nurse, but I've I've been in healthcare for a long time. Okay, healthcare. Okay. Uh, if you're if you're diet if you voluntarily go down to the uh, psychiatric ward and tell a doctor, look, something's wrong. I, I shoot a. Uh, the cell phone towers are talking to me. I hear conversations going on. My world's falling apart. People are following me. Okay, so he's going to have to diagnose you. You go in for treatments, which would be two or three days a, a week for hours. You'd be a Baker Act so. for you 72 hours. Huh? You'd be a Baker Act for 72 hours. On volunteer? No. You say anything. To a doctor, to a police officer, and oh, I mean to the right doctor. You're going down to the side. No, they, they would still bake your act oh. you. They will bake your act you. You start t- saying talking like that. Yeah. There's no volunteer. No. Oh, the, the cops have brought in uh, the patients and they're saying it's a no, volunteer bake your act. There is no that's, a, that's being drugged down because there's a probable cause of a psychiatric problem. But what I'm saying is, if you go down there voluntarily, go through their outpatient deal until you're diagnosed and they get you on medicine. Uh, is it, Are you mandatory to take medicine for the rest of your life because you was volunteer? That I don't know. I guess until the doctor says, okay, you don't need it anymore. Or you take yourself off of it. Well, yeah, that's what I'm wondering is if you're on disability, you've already been diagnosed, you got your disability coming, is there a point of time that you can remove yourself from the 
psychiatric medicine and stop seeing the doctor and still receive oh, that, yeah. I her disability I, I, because I really you've already know. been diagnosed, you know. I really don't know. I, they're supposed to be on what? from what I understand. They're supposed to stay on it because we get we get repeat patients in that will come in because they got, they got off their meds and yeah. they're on disability. Yeah, it's a mandatory. Young people, 25 years old and up. And, yeah, that's uh, my brother, if he stopped taking his medicine, that he'd have to go back for two, uh, two more weeks. Mm-hmm. And so they got him back on the medicine long enough to where he can, uh, they can trust that he'd, he'd uh, start taking it again. So it's a two-week stay. Mm-hmm. Of course, he was mandatory. He got, to, he got hauled down there by the cops. But yeah, no, they they they're supposed to be, and they're supposed to be monitored. But the sad thing about even working when you work in a healthcare facility is when patients do come back, repeated patients, um, the doctors do not set up outpatient help for these patients. They they admit them for three four days, discharge them. They come back a month later, they're off meds or something's going on, and the doctors don't even try to get them on an outpatient basis where they're going to get continuous support where they go, you know, they have arrangements to go to the doctor's appointment to talk to the doctor to get this thing resolved or whatever's going on with them. They don't have any follow-up care. The psychiatric, uh, at least I know it, it's, hap- it's happened at our, at our hospital where I work where I've seen too many patients come back and there's no follow-up doctor, period. They give them medication and discharge them, and that's it. They think, okay, schizophrenia solved, you know, uh, your diagnosis, that's your diagnosis is, and you discharge three, four days later, and then they get off their medication or have a behavioral dispute or something going on at home. Cops are called. They bring the patient in. They're Baker acted, and there's no follow-up on the doctors because their income is so bad, or the doctors, they don't have any money. To, uh, or any insurance coverage that a doctor will accept, and they never fo- they never give many follow up visits. They don't follow up with any doctors. When you're on any medication, you should be monitored by a physician. Well, when you're on the psych medication, you if you don't have a job or insurance, there's no way you can get the medication because no. uh, one one just one prescription of my brother's mental medicine. He takes quite a few of them, and just one mm-hmm. of them. Five hundred dollar a bottle. Wow! For thirty days. What does he have, does he have any insurance or what? Or does yeah, he he's got he's got the he he was at work when all this happened, and they hauled him to psych ward, and then oh, when he got out, he lost his job, of course, because he done too bad, and uh, so they wound up getting him on uh, uh, disability. And then now through disability, you got Medicaid, Medicare, and all that. Mm-hmm. That, that. That's sad. I mean, the thing of it is, the doctors aren't doctoring anymore. There's so even the, in the medical. My dad had this one doctor that kept pushing pills all the time. And when he went to see his heart doctor, he said, "You don't need this. You don't need that. You don't need that. You don't need that. You just need these two. That's it." Because even medical doctors, well, they they think that they can give you a magic pill. And you take it for a month for it to be effective. And but but the doctors aren't following through doctoring. They give pills out. 
Go ahead. Why did you get up like that? You okay? Who? What's the matter? Okay? Why'd you get up like that? The alarm. Game of Thrones. Wait, can I see your phone? Hey, can I see your phone? Yeah. No. I love it. I can't my phone. I can't pass it. 128 gigabytes of my. Are you still there? Okay, California. Was uh, you having a conversation with somebody else because we're hearing you over your phone? Hello, California? I heard it too. I didn't know who he was talking to. Okay. But anyway, that's, yeah, your your brother, they, they sh- there should be a follow-up on all that stuff. Yeah, he has monitored every, every month to renew on his meds prescriptions, and then mm-hmm. he has every three months for an evaluation. Every three oh. months. Well, that's good. That's good then. That's good. Uh, that's 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 generally what should be happening. But a lot of patients I've seen come in don't, and unfortunately, a lot of them are cash accounts. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, they 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 over uh, medicate people because when they give you one, you know, like you said, there's no magic pill. No, they give you one pill, and that one pill throws your body off in such a way the side effects that you have another problem popping up after that. They give you the one pill. Mm-hmm. You go back to the doctor, and so he gives you another prescription to fight this new ailment that this side effect that popped up. So I know. You know, you're taking too many pills just so they can get this one pill down. And actually, every prescription they write, they're making a kickback on this. They're not exactly. writing And free. maybe even cahoots with the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies are way out of their... Oh, I yeah. Mean, I mean, even... Uh, it's kickbacks. I needed inhalers or something, and the price on these uh, Combivent was over $2,200. I'm like, how can anybody? I've got a full-time job. I've been at for a long time. I can't afford it. Yeah. So psych medications or whatever medications, doctors are pushing so much medication. They're not doctoring. Well, last year, you for ten minutes for a hundred dollars for about fifteen minutes. Right out the script. Here you go. That's it. Last year, oh. my my brother was going over some of the prescriptions he was getting. And and I said, whoa, what was the name of that last one? And he said, Seroquel. Mm-hmm. I said, what's, what's that for? He said, that's to help me sleep. And so I said, wait a minute, I've been seeing commercials about that. So I tried to find something online. I couldn't do it. And then the very next week, it came back on TV again, these lawsuits for Seroquel. And he was sitting right here, luckily, and he seen it. Well, he went back to his doctor and told the doctor he's seen these lawsuits about Seroquel. And his doctor, the only response his doctor gave was, oh, well, I guess we better get you off of that then, and gave him another prescription. 
But he should know about the side effects. I mean, even uh, I had a friend that relied on me looking up side effects because she came into the ER with the side effects from a shot or something she had. And I said, well, didn't you read or, or no? Didn't they tell you about, did you read about the side effects? She says, no, that's what, what you're for. You're supposed to do that for me. <laughs> I said, I said, you're supposed to. So she came in to be seen when it ended up being side effects from a, uh, a shot or something she was on or, t- or shot she had, I think, or something. And she never looked up the side effects or the interaction with other medications. I'm like, that's what the, you know, without trying to be, you know, point out the obvious to them. I mean, that's what they're, that, they, that insert when you get your medications for it, you're supposed to read up on it. She says, I've got you to do that. Like okay, so I look up everything. I read, you know, everything on the side effects and stuff. And if the side effect is too severe, you're supposed to call your doctor and say, "Hey, this isn't." It's like the the side effects are worse than what it's supposed to help. Yeah. And the doctors. But I see everywhere, in general public that I go to, uh, one out of ten, you know, uh, one from ten people, I would mm-hmm. say nine people. Out of ten, they trust their doctor. They don't question their doctor, and any ailment they have, they go to their doctor and they take all the pills and no. They need, they need to question it. As, they need to as question long as they of mine overdosed. Them pills. Yes, a friend of mine overdosed, and she just took everything that he gave her. He just kept writing one prescription after another for her. Yeah. And she took too many. And they, he, he didn't monitor. Her addiction. She starts. She was addicted to a couple of the medications. And you know, unless you got a family member that knows about the the OD the doctor gave you, and killing your body off in the manner that mm-hmm. it did. Uh, if your family don't know about it or don't care, uh, the the doctor gets away. The doctor gets away with it eighty uh, percent of the time. Well, we've had well, we've had some doctors. I mean, in the past, that have have gotten caught. For, for pushing pills and writing scripts when they're not supposed to for very, for narcotics. They, they've got their comeuppance. But as far as any medication, the doctor needs to follow up on it and if there's anything going on, any side effects, you report it to your doctor immediately. I had one that was dropping my blood pressure and, and my pulse, but I stopped. It wasn't doing me any good anyway, so I just stopped taking the whole thing anyway. But anything, I recommend question your doctor, ask questions. And if your doctor is uh, trying to, you know, avoid getting direct answers or not, you know, explaining things the way he should, and he wants to rush through seeing you and all the time and stuff, it's time to see another doctor. Yeah, get out of there quick. Someone who sits down and says, okay, this is what we're going to go through. Tell him I'm Um, out of here and I hope you don't expect no payment either because I'm not paying you jack. (laughs) But, uh, no, I, I recommend that. I always tell patients that they, you know, if any questions they've got, you know, ask the nurse, ask the doctor about it. That is your right as a patient to know what you're getting and why you're, why you're getting it. Not to say, okay, God, you know, my doctor's God here. He's, he's, he's like a, or a servant, whatever. You know, I mean, they're, they're not, they don't know everything. Plus my the, one doctor, go ahead. The, uh, the, phar- the pharmacy uh, does a quite quite of a good job too, as he's filling. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's got that knowledge of 
uh, you know, of mixing pills that, you know, side effects and things like exactly. that. Exactly, exactly. But it, it, yeah. it doesn't hurt to ask them. If you can't see your doctor, ask a pharmacist. I had, I've had uh, uh, some questions, and they were very helpful. Yeah. I've gone to Walgreens. But uh, anyway, going back to that other thing, though, about the thing, it, it's, it's a shame that so many people, you say anything about this technology, they look at you like you're stupid and crazy. And I'm like, if you actually read this on the internet, look up the science, or are you really, can you read? You know, it's like a, my sarcasm comes out so bad on this stuff. They don't think, if you can read, get on the internet and look it up. I had a charge nurse uh, take me to her office and talk to her, and I ended up being off for a couple of weeks because of it. And I mentioned something. She says, well, why would I want to look that look up, look look that up? I, I mentioned something, and she says, it doesn't affect me. And I'm thinking, I just asked you to check something. She didn't answer normally. And that's the one thing that I do have going for me. I can sense if somebody's lying. I can sense if someone's playing the runaround, uh, you know, when they're, at their, I mean, when you come out with abnormal answers, my, my friend over 10 years said, oh, why don't you go on psych disability? Uh, don't think so. When she knows, I'm fine. But I know she's been affected, but she's been talked to by these people. That's why I think they're military. I think they've made phone calls, and I also recommend an awareness to everybody whoever's listening that these people, at least the ones I'm dealing with anyway, I don't know about them, but to keep in mind that those that have been treating you known for a long time and treating you differently or say something strange, there's phone records, by the way. If they're on Verizon, there's phone numbers on those records. In other words, these people have talked to these people or they've called them. Document every little thing because if it does go to court or anything comes up, those phone records, even deletions, is proof that there is contact with those people. There's proof. That's so just a suggestion on that end of it. I try to think of everything. Well, those uh, people at your uh, work that are standing around with the phones, try to call mm-hmm. security for lottering. Tell them they're lottering, and it looks like they're looking at the cash register, or they're looking at something or whatever, lottering. Yeah, but the thing of it is, uh, security also knows what's going on. Well, that's that's another... They I mean, they don't, they don't know who they are. They will, and just, they, they will when they haul them out of the hospital. Yeah, but the only, the only, the only thing is, if security uh, asks them or something, they'll say, oh, we're, we're just waiting for somebody, and they're going to have to take their word for it. They're not going to stand there and argue with them. If they're not waiting if they for a patient to be day. discharged, or but not I've seen them there every day. Hour. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, not if they're there in a day. Hospitals don't allow that stuff. Yeah, but the ER that that I work in, uh, well, it's a 33 bed ER, and we had 81 patients in at 2:30 in the afternoon. So we were swamped in the lobby and in the back. Every, there's people everywhere, and security's not. You know, they're not going to concern with people loitering. There's going to be people everywhere. I, I know what you're saying, but they're not going to do it. I, I will watch them myself. I can see if they're a patient or if they're a family member. And if they ask me 
about going back. I'll know if they don't do it, and they've been standing around for over an hour. That looks suspicious to me. Excuse me. Go ahead. To the gentleman that you were just talking to, is he still on the line? Hello? The guy that was just talking to this LPN? Are you on the line? Oh, there's I'm two. Which one? There he is. The one that was talking about following him out of the hospital. Oh. No, I didn't say follow him. Uh, uh, Lottering. L-O-T-T-E-R-I-N-G. I, uh, I've heard your voice before. Uh, do you mind telling me where you're located? I'm South Texas. South Texas. Okay. You have a very interesting voice. I just wanted to... Well, I'm from Oklahoma. Yep. Oh, wow. People from Texas Oklahoma? don't understand me either. Oh, yeah, I, I can understand you fine. Oh, you're from Oklahoma, but you're in South Texas? Yep. Are you in Austin? No, I'm in South Texas. Brownsville, Harlingen, McAllen, the real South Texas. Houston is East oh. Texas. San Antonio's uh Central South Texas. Austin, Central Texas. Okay. I, uh, I Midlands, West Texas. I haven't heard you very just a few times on the call, and um. Um, what is your targeting story? I'm the boy that they set all this crap up on for this frequency wire deal. And the house right. next door has a big green box in the alley, a big mm-hmm. giant telephone green box in the alley that does the frequency stuff across these telephone pole wires that makes the whole neighborhood go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Is, is it? Yeah, they tell, uh, have you contacted the, the telephone company or see if they're... No, it's just been there for 50 years. Oh, well. This is one of those boxes that you don't hit with your truck if you're going down the alley. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, okay. The big green cement boxes have a big chunk of cement around the base of them, and they're about the yeah. size of, like, four chests. Well, those oh, are okay. my frequency control boxes. They work off the telephone pole wires. I okay. bet you have one behind the... Well, anyway, I'm the one that they but, set all that stuff up with. So how did how did you become a target? My uh, dad's... Uh, High school of love hired these people to kill off my mom and my brother so she could oh, marry him, get the divorce. And then my dad was in the Air Force, so everything just fell into place. Loretta White's responsible for all of this. Yeah, so anyone who was... Uh, anyone in uh, Kansas who was a, a patient of my dad, he was a general practitioner... Uh, needs to really look out in that area for his family. Not me, not my brother, not my mom, but I'm talking about her family. They're stalkers. They're what? Stalkers. Stalkers. Yeah, they look for people to kill and steal their money. Stalkers. <clears throat> oh, and the deal on uh, Alice... Anytime you start telling things that are their little tricks and you expose their little tricks, man, she'll shut you down instantly because she remembers what she did between the ages of 5 and 20 with her stalker family. Yeah, I can, I can. You can hear when the buttons are being pressed on someone who doesn't want to be discovered real fast. So I, I got on too late to hear whatever Alice did, but it happens to me every time. I got woke up by a massive heat beam to my chest, so I'm not in a very good mood.
Oh, the one uh, other thing. Uh, I just she said, just dropped in on the call, hadn't been on the call listening, but dropped in and started immediately as soon as she got unmuted asking the lady that was speaking if she couldn't uh, somebody else have a chance because she don't like the way she talks or her voice. So she immediately chimes in on her because she hears her voice and she thinks she knows the lady, so she ain't going to let her talk. I know there's one other thing. When I went for help in 1990 for this stuff, I went to the wrong person. I should not have went to a doctor. I should have went to a private detective. We spent a lot of money with a doctor, and then I ended up in the psych thing, and they did all that stuff, and I was given two choices. Shut up, or we're going to put you in a uh, straitjacket down the bill for two weeks. That was my choice. So, in other words, for the rest of you that haven't reached the point that I reached in 1990, uh, make sure you go to a private detective first and get all that stuff. Don't go to the doctor. They're not going to be able to help you with your physical conditions. That was my mistake. And that's why I lay here now. Oh, are you on dis- Oh, I'm sorry, Joe. Go ahead. No. No, I've never received any money. I've never applied for anything, and I haven't been able to leave my house since 1992 pretty much without some 14 cars following me, hitting me with microwave boots up to go back home and crap again. These guys' job is to heat my pelvic bone up to 150 degrees so that I spend all the time on the crapper. What, and what, my town, pelvic did bone you, what town did you say you were in? Harlingen, Texas. David Archer's town. David Archer owns this town. Robert Archer and David Archer own this town. They're MK Ultra, 1950s, 1960s, 1970s MK Ultra military abduction men. They did the military abductions in Oklahoma, but they lived and they came back down here to hide every time after they did an operation. Well, they brought me to their house, quite literally. They moved me in next door so they could continue torturing me for the rest of my life. I destroyed their trailer in 1969 and 1970 that had all the kids in it. When I woke up off of this stuff, so you know, you sound just like the guy that was talking uh, one night. Whatever, it was about five of us ladies talking, and um, I think I remember your voice from there. Yeah, I think name, I dropped. Is your name David? No. No, I'm Steve. The TIs sound the same. Uh, and I yeah, imagine everyone, some of us have yeah, the my same. whole class from Oklahoma would have sounded just like me. We all talk the same. Oh, there's no a guy Jerry that talks like you, too. Well, so now I can't go to anybody and I can't get any help, and my mom's left me here to die, so that's about it. So did you have a work- private detective? No. And if we would have hired one here, I would have went to probably his agency. That's the problem. These guys are the guys who run the private detective agencies in there as you live. So You mean the former federal agents and the yes. FBI? And, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the ones guys that used the co-intel pro type stuff? Yep. yep. So I don't know where to go or what to do. <sighs> Just like the rest of us. <clears throat> So do you have a job down there? Yeah, not a chance. 
I can't even mow my own yard without them cooking my pelvic bone to 150 degrees and making me go to the toilet. That's why I had to paint my house in metal paint and put all this stuff up because being doubled over and having to hold my sides and my kidneys all the time from this microwave gun heating. I got a, I got a piece of a chain mail over my body right now. Hear this? That's one of those chain mail things I ordered from Amazon. I have this laid over my kidney, my stomach, and my back, and I've got relief. So I can sleep. What is the name of it? Say that again. <laughs> what are you laying on your belly and kidney? Hello? Texas. If, uh, have you tried magnet, like a big magnet? Use it in the same way. Put it on the places that are being targeted. So what's going on, Alabama? Oh, nothing. Just listening to y'all. Is the South Texas guy gone? Yeah, he he got dropped off. He's he's not on the call anymore, Joe. No. He uh, he, he sounded very much like a a, a guy that uh, was on when that was a bunch of us ladies talk. We were talking kind of some political stuff and some uh, well, it was kind of some uh, well, he made it racial. He said some pretty gnarly stuff. So I don't, I don't think he's a real CI. But that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't think you can experience this targeting stuff and then be racist towards another person because I, I just can't see that. I mean, I'm not. I actually got called a blank loving blank that night, and he said my real name. Oh, wow. And I don't use my real name on these calls. And so uh, he actually had showed up right after um, somebody had made a comment about me being on these calls, so I don't... That's what I'm saying. If if somebody's a real T.I., I don't think they would be racist towards attacking another person unless it was provoked, you know. Well, that, that's why I was asking him questions because uh, I just kind of wanted to get a feel for what he's saying, and it just doesn't really even make any sense, a lot of stuff he says. 
I, I do think they send people, though. They do. You know, if somebody knows, well, for me, anyway, once they found out I was on the call, they started kind of listening and coming in and saying stuff. I'm sorry, he's not still there. I'd invite him to Tennessee. It's a lovely environment here. No rain? Oh, it rained a little bit today. But we've got some stuff going on here that's kind of interesting. Um, They uh, took uh, a local... It's in Middle Tennessee. A local... uh, City Police Department about a week ago arrested 10 children in school, ages 6 to 10, and took them out in handcuffs. And uh, they were, um, I think most of them were were black children. And so that's raised some uh, concern here. Wow, yeah. Probably got the whole town reared up over children being treated in that manner. Yeah, it was uh, actually very interesting because one of the people that... uh, I have uh, discovered is around about um, a perpetrator for me. I don't even know this person. I just have found, you know, followed some leads and found out some people. They're a teacher at this particular school where these kids were um, were taken from. And uh, it was over a, a fight that uh, supposedly kids didn't break up, and they arrested these kids for not... Uh, for civil responsibility or something for not acting to break this fight up, even though there was no child was really hurt. And they came in and took this, handcuffed the children and arrested them, did not notify the parents. I think maybe one parent did know about it and, all, and wanted to drive them to the juvenile detention center, and they wouldn't let them do that. They threw them in the police car and drove them. It's, uh, they're asking the uh, DOJ to come down and um, investigate it. Lots of stuff going on in this country. Lots of stuff. When you're doing kids like that, it's a sad world. Well, first of all, uh, any kid in elementary school uh, is not responsible for a darn thing. No. These kids were all 6 to 10 years old, 6 to 11, something like that. Yeah, they're not responsible for a darn thing, neither their parents, as far as anything like that goes, because they haven't learned the values of life yet or anything like that. They're still learning. So in order for them, for that police department to agree with doing that, that was totally out of hand. And they probably need to go in there and clean house in the police stations, what they need to do. Yeah, that was the city police, the... Uh the uh, county police I just heard on the news tonight uh, kept a teenager in, in uh, solitary confinement for five days, and his parent didn't even know where he was. So it's getting it's getting kind of bad around here. I mean, they're going down. You know, it's not just adults they're targeting anymore. They're targeting children too. So. Yeah, the proper way to have handled that would have been working through the 
school and the parents. They would have had to have notified the parents that they need to uh, notify the police department, and they should have went that route. Well, apparently there was a child that videotaped it on the uh, on the on the phone, and was at school showing it around. The teacher took the phone and uh, showed it to the I guess the school resource officer. You know they have they didn't have police officers in school whenever I was growing up. You didn't need them, but now they have all these police officers in school and and um, showed it to the officer and that just started it right there. And they 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 bypassed the whole school, um, you know, principal thing calling the parents. They just bypassed all that and took it straight to just through judicial. You can probably Google that and find the story. I seen a video on Facebook the other day. It, it was uh, somebody was riding a city bus, and a mother, I don't know how many of the children were hers, but they all looked like different kids from different families. They was all black. And they started cussing out this one guy on the bus, and all the kids were verbally attacking him, cussing like like a like a grown up, and the mother, after a while, told him, or the I guess she was babysitting, told him to hush your mouth, and they was telling her, no, you shut up, I'm I'm cussing this guy out or whatever. They had no morals, no respect whatsoever. These children, but you know that's uh, that's not everywhere. That's just here and there. Children that are raised in such a manner, but sometimes you have. It, you know, the, the parents not there teaching the children what they should be taught, and the child wounds up in prison before you know it because of it didn't get the attention that the child needed. Well, I think the whole education system is just gone. It's just, um, I know locally, you know, there's um, some uh, educators, that's what I'm going to call them, supposedly that hang out at a local um, establishment that's pretty rough. And, uh, you know, it's just not the kind of uh, person you really would want your child being taught by. But, you know, it's just the way the world is anymore. But, you know, you, you used to respect teachers as a, as a role model. You can't really do that anymore. Well, if you do have children like that that do not respect adults, especially teachers, that they should be banned from school and they got to get their education some other way because they're not coming to a public school. Oh, I agree with that. But what what I'm talking about is that you have teachers that are hanging out in establishments that are very rough. Uh, well, you'd call them a redneck bar. And, uh, you know, you can't really... Uh, respect teachers that um, hang out in those kinds of places. 
I, what I'm saying is the problem is from the top down. It just, you know, it permeates everything anymore. Well, that you you reminded me. I seen I seen a article on the news. It was a teacher, and uh, it really wasn't too too indecent of the picture she took of herself. It was she was wearing a a G string and she had a bra on and and that was it. And she wasn't showing showing nothing. She was laying on her side with her leg kind of pulled forward to where it's, everything's covered. And she took her picture, or or a professional took her picture. Well, some of the teachers in the school had uh, seen her post of herself, and they fired the teacher. So what, was, what do you what do you think about that? I mean, is that? Well, like I said, it wasn't an indecent picture. And I don't see how that would hurt anything unless she was in high school and the high school kids was all ooing and gooing over her. Because she was young. She looked about 20-something. And uh, she was pretty nice looking. But, uh, you know, if it was elementary school or something, the kids would have never seen her post or anything like that. It was, you know. So I don't I don't think they should have fired her unless she was in high school, like I said, and, and the... And she was making it to where the kids can see her post. So, Joe, you were talking earlier about um, no person could put you on this list. Who do you think can? Say that again? You were talking earlier to the lady that was on saying that you didn't think any particular person or an average person could put you on this list. Who do you think can put you on this list? I think this list consists of uh, uh, they ha- they already have the people that they want to pick, and they they can even fine tune it by uh, saying that that it's within your DNA the reason why they picked you, and that the artificial intelligence, the supercomputers, always scanning every person it comes up on. So it's basically scanning the whole globe, and it's looking for certain people. And when it finds you, it red flags you, and then it puts you through this software, which is the organized stalking, targeting, the whole bit turns your life upside down. It's like there is, uh, it's like, um, let's say, let's put it this way. Let's say every one of us on this phone call, there's something special and unique about us, and we stand out differently from the rest of the globe. There is uh, something special about us. And these elite guys, these haters, hate our guts because of it. And so, therefore, they want to extinct us. They don't want us having babies, children. They want us to be no more. 
and I think it's falling under that category. So the computer's always searching and finding for this type of DNA, us, and when it finds us, it's it's got a job to do. And all the bad boys behind it are all for it. You know, it's it's been programmed this way. It took a lot of people, a lot of years to get this software programmed where it finds a certain DNA, and then that's its job. That's all it does. That's uh, that's like if uh, we was back in the '60s and '50s, you can cons you can lay you can pinpoint it to a certain race that would do this. The white power of the KKK hated the Afro-American enough to enslave them. Now that's a hatred going on there. And if they had this kind of power and technologies that could wipe out the Afro-American, they would have done it. But they didn't have that kind of power back then. It was, you know, if they didn't see a black guy, they didn't have any problem. But the second the someone in town seen a black guy walking down the street, the whole community started ringing the phones. Everybody got in their cars and they put their white hoods on, and here they come. So if you can imagine that kind of people with that kind of mentality is what we're dealing with. Well, you realize that those groups still exist, and there's a lot of them. Oh, yeah, especially deep in Texas. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is here, too. It's it's really bad here. Yeah. Um, so, so it's a sport for everyone to get to receive a phone call in their house. Hey, we got us a, you know, they, they use a lot of words. I ain't going to use them, but, you know, Afro-American. And, boy, they're running out of their house. They're happy they're on cloud nine. It's the sport of it. I think it's actually getting worse than it was, uh, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. I think they want it to be worse, though. I think the government does. I think in a nutshell, they're they're, uh, they're gang-stalking the whole country like we're being gang-stalked on an individual basis. They're kind of gang-stalking the, the whole country into, like, different racial groups and, you know, yeah. so that... When the when a civil unrest occurs, you know they did it to themselves, you know. Yeah, well, this special DNA I was talking about, it's within the blacks, it's within the whites, the Chinese, the Indians, it's within the all races, the Mexicans, the Jews, they all have, you know, there's all kinds of uh, DNA within each uh, race. But they're looking for a specific DNA in any race. And so they've, you know, whatever the reasons are, uh, you know, they've pinpointed it and they know this this software knows your frequency of your brain the second it scans you and instantly knows your DNA by the frequency that it is. So they've fine-tuned it and now they know. Now, like I said, it's probably a long old story behind it. Why they've uh, picked us out, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I know within me, uh, the reason why I could say they probably picked out me uh, is because of uh, I've always had a, had special gifts as a child, intuitiveness on the psychic level even, all in that field. Uh, I've experienced it my whole life. 
<clears throat> and so therefore my frequency vibrates at a certain level because of these gifts and they're able to find that within me just to scan they can find that between me and somebody else they know the difference i have the same gift Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they get a lot of benefits out of uh, doing this remotely and all. You know, they get to touch women, uh, rape them, uh, get in their dreams, even give the women dreams or even men uh, dreams of having sex, and it's really about them. You know, you're having sex with them in your dream, but you don't know who this person is. You're just having sex or whatever it might be that their fantasies are fulfilled through this stuff. Uh, all kind of, uh, They get to, um, uh, some of the targeted individuals have no money. I mean, uh, they, they got money, but they have no family, uh, no friends, no one to leave their stuff to. So as they die, their property goes up for estate sales, and they come in and snatch it cheap. Uh, they could turn a profit that way. It's not because they want your property. It's just they're just trying to make a, you know, a turnover of quick cash. So, as they know your time's ending, they know that their bank account's fixing to jump up there because they they got the inside information. Yeah, this is just it's just about as sick and evil as anything. I you know I could have never imagined anything this you know, like this in this country. And I'm actually appalled that there's not somebody somewhere that sees all this and doesn't, uh, you know, try to put a stop to it. I guarantee you, if they was to ever have one little slightest bad thought about what's going on, or they're thinking, God, their 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 morals are kicking in. They, that's when the, their time for fearfulness will be the rest of their life because they will be hunted down. You know, they can't let somebody get away that has this knowledge and that was, and hey, man, what, why don't we stop doing these women like this or let's don't do this to children that uh, they're, uh, they're, portraying, uh, they're portraying the the oath that these guys got and so, therefore, they would have to be watched for the rest of their lives, like I'm saying, or either killed off that they couldn't be trusted. They know too much. So they would have to be like Ed, Edward Snowden. One day they would wake up and say, God, my morals are eating me up. I can't do this not one more day. I'm not going to work. I'm packing my bags. I'm out of here. And they leave the country. That would be about the only escape that you could get. You know, when you're talking about Edward Snowden, when he did that, you know, I thought, wow, that's, you know, he was 29, 30 years old. That's a big step for somebody his age to pick up and just leave everything, knowing that you may never see anybody again, and tell what he told. But um, I, I think he is a very brave person, and I think he, we owe, we owe him a lot. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. 
<clears throat> well, I had this discussion with somebody that I think is now targeting me years ago when Edward came out, but they they were involved in law enforcement and they were calling him a traitor and I said, No, he's a national hero and I think that didn't help my, my cause any. But uh I think he has brought a lot of things to life that we would have never known about and he sacrificed basically his whole life to do that. That's right. That's right. I, I'm really surprised, you know, uh, with as devastating as our government's making it out to be, they're calling him a a terrorist or they're calling him a uh, something, a uh, traitor. Uh, that I'm surprised they they haven't sent some hitmen after him, no matter where he's at in this world. That they can find him if they want to, and uh, that's really blowing me away that they're not taking action against him. Well, if you think about it, though, he made such a big uh, impact on so many different countries, you know, about what he told. I think it would be a little hard for them to do that now because, you know, if he hadn't made such a big deal out of it and so many people know who he is, they might could have got away with it, but I think they can't really pull that now because he's too well-known. So if something like that happened to him, everybody would know who did it. I'm surprised Russia hasn't taken him in and tried to get all the information they can out of him. As a matter of fact, make him part of their team because he has all this knowledge. Or China or any of these other countries that uh, would get an upper hand on this information. become a country that, you know, individually, everybody just turns a blind eye anymore. Nobody, you know, nobody takes it upon themselves to do what's right anymore. Because if you do, you'll become a target. I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if, you're, if you're involved with a targeted individual and you're not targeted, you're a friend or a coworker, and if you stand up and fight for the target individual, which means at work daily with your friends, family, you know, every time they hear it, they're correcting people, they're trying to stop it, yes, their life will turn upside down when the time comes as when they need it. They will focus on that person, yeah. Well, you know, dynamically, the, the whole world is changing. Just the whole the whole dynamics of society has changed. Nothing is like it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. You know, I'm sure this went on. It just didn't go on this scale. You know, the, it amazes me how many people are, are uh, targeted. But it amazes me even more how many people are involved in the targeting of others. So that the lack of conscience is is as bad as it is.
Yeah, my grandson, he'll be starting school pre-K next year. And uh, all that crap is going to start over again like it did my children. And uh, I'm really not looking forward to this. So how do you handle it? What is your source of strength? Uh, I don't have an idol. I don't worship nothing. I just uh, believe in myself, basically, and try to uh, keep keep my self-confidence, even though at one point I had lost it, that uh, uh, I just... uh, leave it all within myself. You know, I listen to happy music. I try to watch comedy. I try to keep an atmosphere around me that's controllable of my desire. And when the infiltrator's coming around and try to mess it up, uh, either if I'm outside, I go inside. If that don't work, I get in my car and drive, drive down the road, get away from it. I try to keep all around me uh, in control, although it's not possible 24-7, but I, I, I give it a run for its money. And I keep my sanity that way because I know if I go outside and my neighbors are all out there running me down, character assassinating me, laughing, mocking, trying to get some responses out of me, and if I stay there, it's not good for me. So, uh, you know. I try to avoid all things like that, and and that has helped a whole lot to where, uh, you know, once your self-esteem gets down, then it's all downhill after that. You guys sure are quiet tonight. Uh, I've been seeing a whole lot of good news on the Internet. I've been seeing Hillary Clinton exposed to the point that she ain't liking it no more. They, uh, she got them bad boys after her, and they're not going to stop until she's in prison. And uh, I, th- I believe it's about to affect her race, which I can't believe she went this long with all these accusations flying around about her. That I think it's fixing to pull her out of the race. So that's very good news for me. That's the last thing we need is a criminal of her character in the in running our country. There would be more of the same thing, if not more. It'd be the same old, same old. More Department of Defense funding, uh, more brain hacking, 
uh, more weapons, more military. It, it'd be the same old, same old. While we're while they're taking away Social Security money because they ain't got no money. They got her now to where, uh, you know, they was doing her emails, checking her emails, and somebody within the State Department uh, uh, done a perjury that the lady stood up for Hillary Clinton and didn't submit a, a one email that would have proved everything of the t uh, classified information leaking out. And the 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 lady at the State Department held that information from the FBI, and now somehow the FBI found out and found it, and so now they got her for perjury, and so that's what I'm saying. It's fixing to blow wide open here real quick about Hillary Clinton. I just wonder how much money Hillary paid the lady to keep it keep it out of, out of the records because I know she didn't do it for volunteering because that's perjury there she had to be probably paid a million or so to, to do that Oh, Mass Birmingham hung up. That must have been Michael Shaney Felt. I didn't even recognize he was on the call. Boy, I'm getting really tired. Oh, I don't know why. I'm not going to drink no coffee or I'll be up all night.
Okay, a uh, while ago, we was talking about these bad boys, these elite guys. Who are they and why are they doing this? What are they getting out of this? I ran across a good audio today. and You know, as I talk about things tonight, you know, earlier, tomorrow, just out of the blue, I'll get an email or Facebook or I'll just go to YouTube and uh, click home page and out of the third or fourth audio I'll see something that's exactly what I was talking about last night and you know stuff I'm hand fed such stuff sometimes how it comes to me I don't know but this one here is covering things I was saying last night and tonight of these guys Who, who are these guys and it's a real good audio listen to this one of the Hagman Hagman Report, our special guest at W, the Intelligence Insider. If you're wondering what any of this has to do with intelligence or how it connects to the dots, just hang with us. I guarantee you, you will be absolutely astounded when you hear uh, how this is all tied together. Please listen to this carefully because this is going to set the tone, I believe, for tonight. The quote is this, in order to properly understand the big picture, Everyone should fear becoming mentally clouded and obsessed with one small section of truth. I got to tell you, uh, folks, uh, Starbucks is a requirement uh, uh, for this man. So, for those who don't know you, you have lived your life in the recesses, the shadows. So I'm not going to get into everything that you that you've done, obviously, but uh, suffice it to say that you're uh, the real James Bond in, in my book. And okay, one second. what 
underlying principles, information he might have been trying to convey there and then how it feeds into and is relevant to us. Because remember, it's not what you believe, it's what they believe who are running the planet right now. It is really affecting how we live because at this exact moment, the people that have the controls, they're, you know, a different group. And so we're trying to understand what's driving them, what's directing them, what are the principles, what are the ideas that cause them to think, function, do what they do. And what is the mindset or even the mind behind them that has gotten them and us here today, right now, where we are with all these events churning around us in the world and these burning questions arising and propelling us ahead seemingly to this new world order just ahead, just around the corner. What's the driver? What do they believe? What's driving them? How do they get there? We're going to take a lot of wild twists and turns, and I hope I can pull it all together and make it make sense. Let's when rock and roll. Just buckle up. All right. When the pharaohs were entombed, when they passed away, and the wealthy people of, of Egypt, we now know, we go back and we look at these sarcophagus and the sarcophaguses and, and the burial chambers, etc. We know that the whole death process was a very elaborate process. They went to extreme measures to mummify these individuals of prominence, these people that they felt were godlike or, in fact, gods. We look at it now with a modern mind, and we think, well, they're just nuts, crazy. They were gods, I mean, you know, how uh, the height of arrogance. We have to think about it a little bit more. What, what were they really trying to do when they preserved their body in this way? And not just themselves, but then they had elaborate systems where they, they buried sailboats, complete sailboats, uh, all dismantled and carefully packed away and stored underground for them. And we've gone back and discovered these, these uh, items. Oftentimes they were buried with uh, their wives and servants, and they were also preserved with the understanding, with the belief that, that one day they were going to be resurrected and would live again physically. And we look at it and we think with our modern minds that uh, a little touched. They didn't understand the nature of the world. As Christians, they didn't understand uh, salvation. Christ hadn't arrived yet. Uh, they believed in, you know, voodoo. But then there's another interesting thing. Let's walk away from that for a moment and go somewhere else. The Smithsonian received the bones of giants. And there have been numerous accounts over the last uh, century and a half of people, individuals, groups, who turned over these bones and artifacts from burial chambers and burial sites that were from giants. And so again, you know, you go back and you ask them, hey, what happened with those bones? Oh, uh, oh, I destroyed them. Yeah, they're gone. They're history. Don't have them. Don't know what you're talking about. Who, who, who are you? Well, no, no, we know you got them. Well, you don't know nothing. Places all over the world, there's been this allegation out there for some time that some hidden hand group has been systematically gathering up all of these old bones. Why? And why not at 
consciousness. Where are you? Think about it right now. We hear near-death experiences by people all the time who have passed over out of their body, and they give very credible explanations of how they rose out of their body, had a physical form. They saw things in an operating room, for example, that you could not have seen from where they were lying physically in their body. Conversations, words that happened in a hallway just outside the door that you had to be there to hear it. And people say that they heard this word or that conversation or saw this person dressed a certain way and they were in the operating room on the table. And very difficult to deny that they had had an experience that wasn't just an experience inside of the tissue of their gray matter, their brain, that they had somehow been transported or allowed to move about outside of their physical corpse. So then we ask ourselves, where are we? Where's our consciousness? Are you right now actually in your physical body? Or is it possible, is it conceivable that your conscious is somewhere maybe within the parameters of your physical body and more, but not technically really inside your physical body? I have remote control uh, devices, including uh, one of our uh, aircraft that we're working on that's uh, remote control. It uh, is capable of traveling very fast, very far, and yet some of its operations are pre-programmed and it operates uh, autonomously on its own within its own computer program inside its computers. But then there's other overriding uh, information that comes remotely that is broadcast to the aircraft and uh, it gives information and there's more broadcast to it. And so the real mind behind the operation of that aircraft could be at a great distance from the aircraft. Technically, it could be to the moon or to outer planets, distant, and yet still operated remotely. The real mind isn't in the aircraft, although it's physically expressing itself through that aircraft. So where's where's that consciousness? The world around us, and we say, no, 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 you know, the body, the consciousness, the physical, we're right here, I'm right here. But let's diverge again for just a moment. Years ago, before cloning was actually really known outside of a very tiny realm of people, there was a particular location where we were examining cloning issues. There was a dog that had been a pet, and that dog had uh, been well-known and would greet aircraft as they arrived and departed, and, and the crews knew him. And uh, he was uh, very well-liked, had a very unique personality, did some tricks, and he was, he was just great. When he passed away, uh, he was buried in this uh, very arid, semi-desert environment. So years later, at a certain point, Somebody had the idea that uh, it'd be interesting to see if we could clone. So he was exhumed and DNA was extracted from different areas of the corpse, in, in uh, bone areas and in uh, teeth areas, because uh, those areas hold DNA uh, preserved longer than, than most of the other areas. And there were some other samples taken, but uh, those were, were really key. And then the animal was cloned. And in one of the clones that was done, that uh, there was health.
health issues with some of them early on, and it took a little time to, to get things right. In one of those done, it was noticed that uh, the dog operated mannerism-wise, and even to some tricks that it did as it was maturing, as though it already knew these tricks that were really unique to its ancestor. And the question was, did that animal have that information in its DNA? Was that knowledge of how to do the tricks something that was recorded somehow in the DNA? Had the DNA been overwritten during the course of the dog's life to be able to know a trick and it somehow is recorded there like information like writing a movie onto a DVD or something and recording it on the DVD had it somehow been recorded on the DNA. Conversely, the question was, was there something in the DNA that predisposed the dog to want to behave or operate or do things really just like the other dog, even to the paths it wanted to go down and this daily routine that the, the ancestor had. None of those seemed to make sense because the behaviors that we were looking at, that we're talking about, are learned behaviors. They did not seem to be things that you would have had within its DNA, how the animal was built at a structural level. This was more information-related, things that would have been recorded in the mind that would have been recorded in ways that it's like the difference between um, with the old reel-to-reel tapes. You have the tape itself that can hold information, but then you have to write information on it. And when you play it back, you get the information you wrote on it. You don't get new tape suddenly coming out of the tape machine because you're not manufacturing tape. You're just downloading the information that was recorded on it, writing it on, taking it off. The question was, how could this dog have known these tricks? How could it want to follow these same paths when it hadn't been taught this stuff? It had not been shown it, really, to that point in time. But because of some health issues that were raised, the dog had started to get sick. And this was early on, and people really, you know, are monitoring it very closely. These are scientists having some fun while they're doing other real research. But this was a question that came up during this time that the previous dog wouldn't have known because the facilities are newer and had some new stuff and different people. So that animal died. And they had decided to clone that animal. So now we have a clone of a clone. Plus we had still some work going on with the previous clone. And the, and the, and the interesting thing was to try and determine if there was some recorded information in the clone of the clone that was transmitted from one to the other. Now the, the background for that was there was also simultaneous work being done where they had taken earthworms, uh, another group, but uh, certainly we were aware of it. And this other group had taken these earthworms and they had taught them that when there was certain uh, stimuli, uh, electrical stimuli within a uh, box of materials, that if they went a certain direction, there would be food. So they essentially literally trained these earthworms, uh, which you, know, you would think they have very little gray matter, brain, whatever, to, to do anything. But in their uh, opinion, they had 
learning the behavior, the other earthworms began to operate in the same way, that something in the material that was transferred from one to the other, actually that information somehow went to the next set of earthworms and they were able to essentially be trained just by exposure to the material, the biomaterial of these other earthworms. The DNA, if you will, you know, got inside their system. So these were really, you know, wild questions. I mean, this is, you know, strange stuff. Believe me, we'll get to the politics in a little while. We'll get to today in the world around us in a little while. But let's think about this question. Now this dog, who's a clone of a clone, and another dog that's just another clone of the original, are being raised isolated from each other. And an interesting thing is learned. The clone of a clone, as well as the original, both show some knowledge, some predisposition, acknowledgement of how to do a trick that had only been learned by that first clone. So how could a clone of the original dog and a clone of the clone both know this new same trick when there was no physical contact between them, there was no learned information between them, not being raised around that dog uh, at the middle. So that got me thinking, asking the question, well, what's the nature of consciousness? This is a very long time ago. I mean, this is you know, a long time ago. Coming at it from a spiritual side, I said, well, but the consciousness isn't inside the body. It's coming from a remote location. Now, to most physicists, they're just looking at a brain and saying, nope, it's right there, it's the cells right there, there's a gray matter, we know this part of the brain transmits neurons this way, and it registers information here, and this is how it works. And they're looking totally inside the brain. They're looking inside the DNA as little recorders to see how it could be registered on the DNA and be written on the DNA. And I'm going, yeah, but the original, how could it possibly know it? How could twins know something happened to their genetically same person at a distance, even though they had no contact. We have lots of stories of twins where they, they seem to know when their uh, twin is in trouble or hurt or what they're thinking and know the thought even before they do it. Well, is it because of close contact while they're being raised? But in some cases, twins were separated at birth or shortly thereafter, and yet they know that they have a twin somewhere. They think thoughts of the other twin. They live lives that are somehow similar. To a university professor, that's the same as to a lot of our Christian brothers and sisters here, same as saying, astrology, astrology, astrology. <laughs> when the cross comes out, they start making signs, and they're, they're all stressed out. But I'm trying to come at this and look at it and go, is there a real physics that, even if it isn't understood, is there a real physics, an underlying, testable, measurable, tangible physics here that we have to know, understand, grasp? And sometimes you have to think bigger, oftentimes, and sometimes you have to think smaller. I'm going to bring all of these things together before we're done, but I, I hope your audience is staying with us. I, I, I know some people, are, their brains are already getting a little overheated, but stick with us. I think we can pull it together. So now we say, okay, so, so there's stuff that makes up our world, but we can't see it. 
but it's everywhere around us, totally infused in us. And it's even more real than the stuff that we see because it's much denser, it's much finer, it's much more powerful. And in fact, if you were to say that you could perfectly use the dark matter just contained in your own body, besides boiling all the oceans of the world off with just a cup of it that might be the size of your fist, the amount of it in your whole body could blow a whole world to smithereens. That's how much energy is packed within your being. But it's just out of reach. Just right there adjacent to you, right there infused in you, but how do you access it? And what does it mean? And, you know, how is it relevant to us in this physical world? If I can't touch it, feel it, grab it, manipulate it, what's the matter? What's the matter with the matter? What's the matter? It's not relevant to me. I can hear a lot of your people out there in the audience saying that right now. I don't know how this applies. Let's go back to consciousness. If you, your consciousness, actually isn't residing in your brain, isn't recorded in your brain, where is it recorded? If your body is, in fact, in a, in a way, an avatar, like the movie Avatar, where a person would get into a machine cocoon, and then his thoughts, his physics, his brain manipulations were remote transmitted to a body at a distance that thought, moved, acted, reacted according to its input, its stimuli, remote control, an avatar. What if you are, in a sense, that way, and yet your consciousness isn't parked on the other side of Pluto. It's right there within the zone of your body, but in that dark matter. Very real. It's recorded on a recording medium that is right there beside you, right there within you. It's just of a size of a material that you can't understand within the purely physical matter realm matter of the atomic scale and above. doesn't mean it's not there. It just means it's not of a size that we normally think of and talk about and work with and can manipulate. How can we prove that that sub-subatomic matter exists? And if it does exist, does it have an impact a measurable impact on the way our world works and the way we work. Well, that's why we had a guest on like Richard Hoagland last week. Because what he has done, what he has brought to the conversation is absolutely astonishing. So now we go back to some of our earlier conversations. And we say, okay, so there's material that we can't see, but we're immersed in it, and it's this dark matter, and it's infused in us, it's all around us. Where's consciousness? Is it conceivable that it's recorded somewhere there, that we're, the there is there? 
not necessarily in the physical realm that we're in. We're just remote operated or affected by things. If consciousness isn't technically in your physical body, it's somewhere adjacent to another heaven, if you will. And we're just being operating in this body like an avatar. How are we connected one to the other? Now, in our aircraft, we have very specific coded devices in the transmitter and the receiver. It doesn't just send a radio signal from one to the other, although that radio signal data has information. I don't want somebody else commandeering my aircraft, taking over control of it. So the signal is coded so that whether it's another friendly aircraft or an enemy trying to take control of the aircraft, that signal is encoded in such a way that only my aircraft and only my transmitter communicate between each other. Very unique, highly encoded, difficult to break. If we look at ourselves and our being, and if we say consciousness resides outside the body, how do we communicate with our bodies from our conscious location in a way that it's not overwritten, hot-wired, tapped into, or spoken over by adjacent signals to somebody else? And I would propose to you that it's the DNA. Now, one of the interesting things about the DNA, when we look at the DNA, the picture that most people have in their mind is the double helix. The double helix is two strands that wind and twist and coil around each other. Two strands are connected side to side. What does it look like when we look at those strands? Technically, the more simplistic model, but relatively accurate. In this ladder type arrangement, and thought of the DNA strands as tuning forks all the way up, each of them hitting their own unique little combination note. And then you say, well, if I have tuning forks side by side and I have them all vibrating, tend to affect the note of the one adjacent to them ever so slightly, especially when you have a whole bunch of them. All of these tuning forks hitting their individual notes tied together make a particular sound or signal or song or music that is totally unique because what? No two people's DNA is exactly the same unless you're a clone. And even clones vary just ever so slightly here and there, but they're closer together to being an exact match. Now imagine if that DNA strand of which your body is made up of trillions of strands of DNA throughout all your cells, essentially amounts to a note that's your unique note, your unique music that you make. And your transmitter can communicate with your receiver individually and no one else. Now your consciousness resides between you and your body. You are tied together by this silvery thread umbilical cord to this physical body with your consciousness right now.
it may be that some people, be it a mother or a twin or a clone, share some joint consciousness with one another because they're so close together on the note that they strike that there's some overplay. Perhaps you've been by a radio station transmitter and you've got your radio turned to a particular channel. And as you get closer to this other radio station's transmitter, suddenly you start to hear some of their music and talk coming over your radio because their signal is so strong it overdrives even into your signal. Sometimes we steer a radio signal by having uh, uh, transmitters that are focused in a certain direction or on the receiver. We put a receiver that's aimed a certain direction to receive more clearly a signal at a very great distance. And so there's ways to maybe accentuate or enhance the performance and the communications ability from one to the other. But now, once again, we're talking matter, trons, photons, magnetics. But what if the communication signal is none of those? What if the communication signal is a torsion signal? It's a physics that's not normal physics the way you've been taught and raised to believe. It is measurable and it is detectable and it is manipulable if you understand how to do it. If you are communicating, you know, let's say in the jungle a thousand years ago or in some remote places here on the planet, maybe you use smoke signals and drums because that's what's available to you. You don't have an electric, electronic uh, you know, radio transmitter receiver situation, so you got to use drums and smoke signals. Does it mean that radio systems don't exist? Well, thousands ago, probably didn't exist. Does it mean they can't exist? No, we know that now. What what do we what do we have here? We have now established that there's a very good likelihood that a physics is real and exists and is provable that it exists that is right around us all the time. And somebody figured that out. And some of how it works, we might consider spiritual and, and everything else. What's a word? Still based on real physics, real stuff. The spiritual dimension doesn't mean that it's totally just imaginary, vaporous, you know, whatever. You know, Paul, when he said he was caught up into heaven, he didn't know to which heaven it was. He thought to the seventh heaven. The seventh heaven, there's like multiple dimensions, multiple truths. There's not just one heaven. What could he be talking about there? So then we come back and we look at this situation and we think about consciousness and now I have to go somewhere else for a minute and add one more part to the table of parts as we try to assemble this puzzle. Let's imagine a time somewhere far out into the future and mankind is allowed to continue to evolve the way they're headed this second. What is he saying he sees 
in his divinely inspired mind as the future of mankind, if these people are allowed to do what they want to do, what they're trying to do, what they're pushing us to do, he sees a future of transhumanists transferred into what? It might start out with a mechanical limb, and then it might be added to with an eyeball or a contact that is somehow able to see better and see in low light and download information that you can see optically from the Internet. It could be more direct. It could be some type of a chip that you plug right into your brain and suddenly you now can speak French instantly without learning a thing. It's just bang, it's in your brain. So now we think moving out into the future, 50 years, it's limbs and it's eyeballs, 100 years. It's plug-in chips for enhanced mental calculations and knowledge. In 500 years, it's eternal life. Download consciousness into a machine. And maybe it's not 500 years, maybe portions of it are being downloaded right now. Perhaps you record your consciousness in such a way that it can be able to exercise itself out in the machine as the capabilities show up, you know, 500 years from now. You know, there's people who have had their bodies freeze-dried at the instant of death or just before they would normally die, knowing that they had cancer or something else, and preserving their body in this state, knowing that technology continues to improve every day and paying to have their body held in this time capsule. Isn't that what the Egyptians were trying to do? preserve that body well enough that somewhere down in the future they thought they could be reanimated. Perhaps they understood something that we only now are beginning to understand. That their consciousness exists outside the body. That the body is an avatar of your consciousness. And that it's connected by a very specific note or signal in the DNA. And if your physical body dies in this realm, if you can reanimate that DNA at some later point in time, you could have access to that knowledge bank, that data bank that is you, again, in this world. But you live eternally. Your being, everything that makes you up is still there. Imagine a future, some distant place out there where mankind's abilities reach some incredible high point where your consciousness downloaded in some manner into a robot, into a being, into a machine. And in that machine, you don't know an end of life. If the machine has a part that breaks, you put a new part on it. If some of the consciousness doesn't work quite right, you unplug that, plug in a new one, and reprogram it. Here I am looking at what is purported to be triple-strand DNA. The lie was that some
somebody was superior because they had triple-strand DNA as opposed to double-strand DNA. That was what they were taught. That's what they believed. And that that triple-strand DNA made them different and in a positive way, better, superior. Strand DNA gave them certain knowledge, access, rights, because everybody that wasn't triple-strand was different. And triple versus double, well, everybody knows, more is better, right? So the question was, is it true? I mean, the technology to look at DNA has only really come on in the last 30, 40 years in any great, strong measure. So this was uh, still an emerging science a long time ago. So to look at the DNA, to try and get somebody that had the capability of looking at the DNA at this level, uh, it's a big deal. Finding the right guy that would have access that could even understand what they were looking at, a big deal. And if you did just basic looks, you didn't see any of it looked normal to me. You had to know what you were looking for and where you were looking for it at, and you had to sift, and it wasn't everywhere. For a moment, let's think about those people, those groups. How would they even have known or thought and have conveyed one to another to another over generations that they were different? in some very essential, some critical, some unknowable way at the DNA level. And yet they knew that they were genetically somehow different in a way that was not totally obvious to everyone. But they knew and they had knowledge and they had to pass it down. They didn't use terms DNA. They didn't use that kind of terminology. They just knew that there was something different, and the difference was where? In the blood. The blood was different. How it worked was different. It could be merged with other blood. You could have children. You could interact with other people, marry and take in marriage. Sometimes you would get something different. And at certain times, it was key to get something different. And there was a need to preserve a unique identity, one generation to the next, within your bloodline, because there was something about the blood that made you different, and you needed a pure bloodline to preserve that and accentuate it out into the future for some reason known only to your ancestors and to who might come down the road to use that knowledge to regain some high point that they had known before, going where someone has gone before. One of the interesting things in these secret societies, these families, are these rituals that they follow. Very bizarre. For example, some of these ancient sites, one in England in particular, are these groves or uh, sites where they have stones lined up in very precise ways to follow the movement of the sun across the sky, season to season. 
and to map out and chart the movements of planets in this starscape above us. And one of the most critical planets that is followed is Venus. And this ceremony that is conducted every 40 years with precision as Venus eclipses in this one location at a very precise time. And the light from Venus is lined up to come down into this chamber precisely. And even though it's just at dusk or, or dawn, as it comes down through the opening of this chamber, this long shaft, for a brief period of time, it passes in such a way, it shines literally like a sun, like a light bulb inside the cavern, because it's, it's, it's like a, a pinpoint, like a laser signal coming straight in to that chamber. And what was happening inside that chamber at that time? This was about these sexual acts and virgins and the high priest would have sex with these girls and these women during that week and those days in the high point of those moments on those particular days with particular emphasis at that time and hour when Venus would pass right in front of that location. And the light from Venus would travel down that shaft precisely like a laser into that chamber area. And they had to have sex to commemorate that moment. How bizarre is that? What are you talking about? Heathens, heathens, heathens. But wait a second. You're thinking of it as a person who measures with light and electricity at the matter level. What about subatomic sub matter? What did Hoagland find? There's a torsion signal and there's a disruption in the torsion signal during those events. And there's ways to focus that torsion signal. And in the ancient world, if you didn't understand all the physics and nobody could explain to you torsion and sub-subatomic materials and everything else, how would you preserve some knowledge of how some of the physics works and use that energy to your advantage at some critical point? And what did we see? A filament. Another strand. It looks like another strand DNA-like, and yet it's not a full strand. It's just a little short blurb of it. Nano-sized. And if you look at it, you say, but by dimension, by length, by weight of material, you cannot record enough information on it to seem to make much of a difference. You see, in the early days of recording, there was what was called wire recorders. And so a piece of wire was run beside uh, magnetic heads, and they were imprinted with a magnetic um, distortion on that wire. And then if you played it back, it would make a sound just like it recorded. And so it was called wire recording. Then we progressed from that. It was just for, you know, covert purposes, you know, for people to even realize you can record voices and stuff. 
then we switched to magnetic tape, which had more space on it to record more information, a wider band, more depth of information, more detail of information in a very small size. And then we went from the magnetic tape, these big reels, to small tapes with greater uh, uh, metal density, record more detailed information, more information, finer grains of magnetic material on the tape. And finally, we reached the limits, limits of magnetic tape, and we said, well, we've got to go to another form of recording data, recording information. And we switched to digital, zeros and ones, a binary system. And those zeros and ones, we do it in packets of six. Eventually, we got smarter and smarter about the way that we recorded this information, and we could pack it more densely, more tightly, and that's how you could go from the way we recorded analog, where you could have just a little bit of movie information on a great big huge cassette, to having several movies recorded on one little tiny DVD, and eventually to little tiny chips in a computer, multiple movies. Unbelievable density of information in a very small space. Even with all that, we know that there's a limit to how much information you can pack into a piece of given matter. So when we look at this thread that was there, intermingled, intertwined with the DNA strands, that was sitting there, seemingly attached at various places, we're going, well, that doesn't seem like it could have enough information to actually be something different. But it doesn't have to be all the information on the strand if consciousness resides inside the body. What if your consciousness is somehow trapped because your body is physically dead and you want to get into another body so you can reanimate yourself and express yourself. You need to get your DNA reactivated. Do you suppose that those pharaohs, like our modern day people that are having their bodies freeze dried, are thinking that somewhere down the road, because of some new capability might have their DNA merged with new beings at some later point in time and they could partially live again in some new DNA form. Their DNA could be preserved well enough. See, organs were preserved. They didn't expect the organs to be. Their teeth and their bones were preserved. The DNA material inside their bodies was preserved well enough to last down through the centuries until the technology arrived to take some of that DNA, reactivate it, if their ancestors in the future, their progeny, their offspring, understood, hey, I'm saving myself. Preserve me. When the time comes, reanimate me. I want to live again. And imagine us right now. What's being offered to us? transhumanism, if we go down this road and start this process at some point in the future, we'll be able to download our consciousness 
our being into machines that will allow us to live from wherever it is that we really are and express ourselves in this realm of existence essentially forever, permanently. But now I have one other question for you. What if we're not talking about the future? What if this already happened in the past? Beings, creatures, humanoid. Not human because they aren't descendants of Adam, but beings nonetheless, humanoid beings, living creatures had evolved, had grown, had become so technologically advanced that they once before were able, able to download their consciousness into machines. What would they have built? What if 10,000 years was just a starting point in your life? Think of how much we'd learn in, in a few years, a few decades. Adam and Eve living almost a thousand years. Imagine what they learned. The greatest scientists in uh, mankind's history was Adam. But imagine if he lived 10,000 years, 100,000 years. What would his knowledge and capability in the physical realm be? And what could he have built? I mean, the things, the machines could be unbelievable. If there was some humanoid presence, not human because they're not direct descendants of Adam, and Eve, but humanoid, what if they lived here before and were destroyed, destroyed themselves? And there was some echo, some remnant of their history all around us. What would it look like? What would it be? If they were highly, highly involved, is it possible that everything was destroyed or is it some of it still here around us? And how would it be recorded? Where would it be? What would it look like? How would it express itself? And what would it represent? It would re represent their consciousness and their access from their consciousness into the physical realm, from the data storage banks, from the consciousness center where we reside also. Or maybe a slightly different one, but parallel to ours. You know, Paul talked about different heavens. Then you think about the physics and you think about these families and how they've recorded certain rituals into how they live from generation to generation. And I was talking to you earlier, Doug, about a tribe and tribes down in the South Pacific. And what happened with them was that when World War II occurred, the armies went down and they would occupy these islands. And first people in there, they'd be these Navy Seabees and there'd be communications people. And they would go in land seeming coming out of nowhere and to these natives that are living in the past in very rural civilization, very, very uh, low-level civilization, uh, not technically evolved. They see these people come in dressed in uniforms with materials that you, they've never even dreamed of these kinds of cloths and materials. They've never seen anything like this. They're wearing craft skirts, if they're wearing anything at all. And these People would come in and they'd make a little hut with a grass roof on it and they'd put these machines in there and they'd have radios that they're just a box and it's boxes with like cords on them, hemp, ropes, and they have things they put on their ears and then they talk certain funny language, certain code words, and 
they do things and there's a certain ritual and the papers have to be laid out in a very precise way. And then suddenly, after they do the ritual in that little booth at that desk, they look up and out of the sky come planes and they land and then people come out. Parachutes are dropped. Supplies and equipment come out of nowhere. And these people, they were there for a period of time and then the war moved and they went on. And the tribes that were there tried to duplicate what they saw, and it's called the cargo cults. And we come back years later to those same islands, having not visited them for 20, 30 years. And what do we find? The high priest in the radio communications hut, tapping out codes on the transmitter, speaking in the mic a certain way, looking up to the sky to see if the gods have returned. They preserved a ritual, they're called cargo cults, because they thought that the guy in the room, in the radio room, in that shack, was the reason everything else occurred. They didn't understand the physics, they didn't understand the outside world, they recorded it their own way, they created a ritual around something that had nothing to do with reality. They didn't understand what they were really seeing. And what we know about that filament, that nano-thread, be the third strand of DNA. It's not a being. It's not a parasite in the true sense of the word. It's an antenna, and it short circuits. It cross wires the existing DNA to create a slightly different note, different enough that, like a virus in a computer taking over a computer, cross-wiring data and information and finding a hidden code sequence capability can take over the way the DNA expresses and builds and constructs and does. And the way consciousness is downloaded into that DNA, it alters the DNA in an infinitesimally small way. And the energy mechanism for it can work with and express itself using electromagnetic photonic energies. It's very inefficient. Why? Because the DNA itself doesn't work primarily on electromagnetic photonic information transfer. There's certain times of the day when beyond just randomness, there appears to be greater clarity of communication, telepathic information transfer from one person to another where distance doesn't matter. You can be in the next room, you can be all the way out at the moon, and at certain sweet spots, information is transmitted one mind to another more efficiently, more directly. Well, what is that? That's times when the torsion signal is clearer, more direct, like a laser. And something that operates based on the torsion signal is able to be energized more directly. So what if we were looking at nanomachines from some pre-existing time that were still here present in our environment, had been intermingled in with DNA, human DNA, but because the signal strength that energizes it is random, static, noise, and it's only really clear at certain times during certain events, wouldn't you want to try and get the people, the natives, to operate 
in precise ways during those events, maybe encapsulated in a ritual so that they preserve in ways that they couldn't explain in the detail and they, you can't explain it all to them and somebody forget to pass along a certain piece of information. So you have to create the ritual edifice and chamber and isolate out the signal and then do these rituals in such a way because during that torsion event, that nano thread becomes energized, activated, moves more readily, and can be transmitted being to being down through time. And certain bloodlines are more attuned naturally and by breeding to that. But now let's think about what else are we looking at in our society today? We see and we talk about families working together, a hidden hand behind the scenes, managing the planet towards some future event, some new world order, some greater organization. And in those families, they have an understanding amongst themselves that they are different. They understood it, and it's been conveyed at different times in different ways. More recently, triple-strand DNA. Prior to that, a noble bloodline. But they have believed that they were aliens that fell to this earth. They somehow are trapped here because their ancestors came to earth and had to rebuild it in some way to just survive. Imagine our world today if something like an EMP happens. Could you build your car by yourself here today? How long before that car wouldn't run anymore? Because you can't get parts or you can't get gas. Name all the devices around you. and Maybe you have your computer protected and stored in such a way and you got solar collectors and everything else, but eventually it is unusable anymore. Something happens and you can't repair it and the technology to repair it doesn't exist. It gets ground up couple of floods and all the technology that existed is wiped away and gone, all the buildings gone. And if we're talking thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, it gets wiped out. What you saw as a pyramid at one era might look like just a mountain in some later era. But imagine a world where technology maybe was where we are right now, plus a thousand years or 10,000 years or a hundred thousand years. Those are blips in the history of our galaxy. Blips. What would we build? Machines the size of the moon, 20, 40, 50 miles deep of buildings and computers and stuff. And what are we finding there? What's Richard talking about? What do those photographs show? Just that. What does the Indian culture record with the Vimanu? Skyships that could destroy whole cities. And it even shows what their power system looked like and describe the power system based on the mercury propulsion system. What was it that came out in the ejecta when we impacted the moon that Richard talked about last week on your show? Mercury, 50-50 with water. The engine's on the moon. It's a big spaceship. It's a Death Star. You're living in a junkyard. Somebody has gone there before. Does it bother your Christian understanding? Does it destroy my ability to have faith in God or trust that Christ is my Savior? They were an accursed generation. Who are these Nephilim that are right there in the first book of the Bible? 
Who are these giants? Where did they come from? What if? What if these giants, these humanoids who fell to Earth are like angels? They are angels. Their consciousness resides in another dimension. They're avatars. We think in terms of downloading our consciousness into bodies, silicon-based life forms, computer-operated bodies. What if at some far distant future point it transferred it again into biological machines? They might be talking about trans-siliconism, reanimating themselves not in silicon machines but biological machines down the road. And our terms that we use for them could be all over the map. But yet they are beings. They are consciousness. They exist just as we exist. But like our consciousness resides in our body, through our body, may even be adjacent to the smaller matter world right there, infused in us and around us, simultaneous, tied to our body by some silvery thread, some umbilical cord of torsion connection that we don't understand, but is every bit as real as the table in front of you. Their consciousness is tied to our world and connected thinly now, but no less connected from some ancient primordial period. And they are trying to express themselves and reanimate themselves to escape their hell because they're trapped unless they can reanimate somehow in this realm with those that have the promise of life in this realm, the inheritors of this realm that God has placed here. Those giants were in a cursed generation. They were under a curse. The history that these families believe in is that they fell to earth. And even their rituals that you see right in front of you, I'll name an example, the 2012 Olympics. How did the highest ranking member of one of those bloodline families come to the event for all the world to see a parachute. The queen jumped out of the helicopter, parachuted, fell to earth, duplicating how they originally got here in the first place. Why? Because they think they're different than us. They fell to earth from their celestial locations, from their higher technological era. They got here in their lifeboat, and they're trying to build their way back to get where? Get home? Serious? To some other star system? From this junk pile of blown, smashed out to smithereen stuff in this edgewater place in the ocean of our galaxy? And when they got here, how did they preserve their life? They had to mate with what was here, be it apes or God's children and create hybrids, but they always preserved the knowledge that they were different. It was suggested in a lot of the works, a lot of the writings, a lot of the information that we see that those first ones here, those ancient ones were all male. And only through hybridization with the apes that were here were they able to preserve their DNA down to the generations to be reconcentrated at a later point in time. And if they were as intelligent, as evolved, as I'm saying to you, what if they were 50,000 years in advance of us, ecologically, or 10,000, or 1,000? With where we are right now with nanotechnology, would they have nanotechnology? If the moon is built out as an entire spaceship, don't you imagine that 
devices, and they had discovered and learned how to manipulate at the nano level, and they understood torsion. And because at the torsion level, at the sub-subatomic level, the energy density is a trillion, trillion times greater than it is at the matter level, they would use the higher density material to their advantage. So their equipment, their machines run on torsion energy. And if you're in a world where there's no machines to maintain and emit and broadcast the torsion signal coherently, you have to use and incorporate into With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.